0: Just when you thought it was safe to go onto iTunes, this is Next Level Guy, the only website that makes self-development as fun as going to the movies. It's
1: time to take the red pill and escape the Matrix. What's happening guys, it's time for another episode of the Next Level Guy Show podcast with your favourite tutor, Ian Dawson Mackay. Next Level Guys, is the go-to men's interview, interest and improvement website where I quiz the experts to find out the hacks, tips, methods and protocols that you can implement in your own life to take it to the next level and live happier, healthier, wealthier, sexier and so much more. Today's guest is Geraint Jones, who's a UK Army veteran and New York Times and Sunday Times bestselling writer. Garent has been deployed on three tours of duty to Iraq and Afghanistan. For his actions in Iraq, Garant earned the General Officer Commanding's award for gallantry. Following Afghanistan, he was selected for the Reconnaissance Platoon, the elite unit within the battalion. Upon leaving the military, Garent worked to protect commercial shipping against Somalian and Nigerian-based piracy. He's now a full-time successful author, writing about his experiences in the military and other areas and some fictional accounts. Such as the Roman Empire, etc. In this interview, we cover a lot of topics such as serving in the military, his trouble when transitioning to civilian life, the issues and demons he faced during that time, modern men and masculinity, the need for a purpose in a man's life, how you can work out your own demons and become happy in your own life after such a big transition. We also touch on writing and so much more. There really is something here for everybody. If you're struggling in your life after a big change, if you're dealing with PTSD, depression, if you're dealing with demons from a past issue and you're wanting to transition and become happy again, this is one for you. It's a bit long, so you may want to take it in a couple of sittings because he lists a lot of gems throughout this. And I had to stop writing out what he was saying. Because if not, I would have copied out the whole podcast. I know you're going to love this. Gerence Jones is a great guy, and he's going places. Check out his books in the links below. Now, let's get to the interview. It's actually, because yeah, there's so a, lot a lot of good, good stuff here. <laughs> <really. Yeah>. um, <laughs> but, but that's what—that's a really irritating thing about It's like, because you're sitting and you can be powerlifting, like, say, going about 200 kilograms or whatever, and you're like... Yeah, uh, yeah. But so and so said that about me and you know, i And you're thinking I'm about to pull up some very heavy shit off the floor. I should be focusing on that yeah. bar right below me. And all your brain is going now is, Yeah, but that girl never texts you back and oh, you're just obviously not attractive and uh, da, da, da. and you're thinking, What the fuck? But if you do yeah. that during jujitsu, you're putting your lights yeah. out. Yeah. yeah. It's like it's yeah, like a- that's that's
0: that's that that's that's exactly it. I think that's why it's such a it's such a good thing too there's not many things um there's not many like activities like that where you are fully like you are like forced to clear your mind because if you're not you're going to get you're going to you know you're going to get brought down to earth very quickly well we get like arm your neck.
1: it's um we call it like a human chess match so it's like uh you know you start moving to your right because uh you're waiting for me to go a certain way, like to the left, because you can see my lapel and you're going to put it to my legs and then you're going to like rotate me one way and, you know, you're going to tap my arm and then you're going to do this, you're going to do that. And it's like, it's like you're having a war with the other person, but you're kind of keeping it calm and you explode at certain points. And then you're kind of repositioning and then you're slowing down and you can,
0: yeah, that's a big difference to like the grappling that we did in the army because in the, that grappling, it was just like ah. a death match. It was just, it was it was just full. It was just, you know, like about, um, you know, one of the reasons that they introduced it was to just get guys used to kind of that physical confrontation, one on one confrontation. But there was no chess match about that. It was just like, you know, ah. just all, all out strength and just trying to just wrestle someone and pin them and stuff. But that was, you know, so it's. Um, but I'm sure that's something that, like a lot of especially young guys, probably struggle with in jujitsu is containing that animal instinct to just want to just just use power and use use power rather than. Well, use for just me, just
1: it, it was the other way. It was like I'd always I'd grown up being six foot three, being the sort of gentle giant, and it was really a struggle for me to kind of hurt people. You know, it was that weird thing of like now. Climb from like side control, um, where you're kind of making a T shape with them, and then climb on. You know, so your hips are sitting on their hips. Wrap your arm around them, and like you know, try put their arm under their throat, and then start squeezing, or you know, lock on the triangle choke, and you're doing it to really like to choke the blood out of them, like you know, to, to cut off the airways and stuff like that. And it was yeah. that kind of moment of you go from being a normal guy who you know we have a personal space, you have a Oh no! You can't sit close to somebody on the bus, and you might offend them to suddenly like grab their arm and bend it back. You know, stick that leg, at, like rotate the knee, and try to rip it out the socket kind of thing. There, yeah. and that's what you're getting trained to do. And then at the end, you shake hands and you give the guy a hug, and it's you feel alive, and it's like you're really you got a connection with him It's 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 a really strange hobby to do. But it, it has it's honestly changed my life. And it's, it's made me realise that you, can't, you don't need to apologise for it, like for that masculinity side of it. And too many guys just go through life. Like when you've got girls with bigger thighs and bigger arses and guys, something's not right. Yeah, you know, some guys have no matters.
0: Yeah, I just can't get my head around that. Because, I mean, I've come from, like, I played rugby. All, I played play rugby from as old as I could remember. And then I was in the army. So I've never been in groups of, I've never really kind of had groups of friends who aren't like that, you know what I mean? So for, in rugby, like, you know, I think rugby sounds very similar to jujitsu in the fact of you know, you are like, I used to be, I would be a bit of a dirty bastard. If I saw an arm sticking out of something, I might give it a little twist or no, not to, to the point of trying to break it, but to the point of just trying to like piss off the other person, try and get penalty out of them, you know, that kind of thing. And, but then at the end of the game, you know, you shake hands and you're all friends but then you know again the army is you know especially the infantry is a very you know it's you are in each other's faces you are like you know living on on top of each other so that physical like I, I I find it hard to get my head in because I know that is not the that is not the usual experience for a man now a young man or man in his thirties twenties you know teens whatever. That physicality is not a normal part of people's life. It's it's always seemed like it to me because it's been a part, normal part of my life, a normal part of most of my friends. But it isn't for most people, and I find I find that really hard to get my head around because I just I just seems like it just seems like the most natural thing. Like my thing now is I, I feel like I have to like well, I noticed when I was hanging out with some of my mates from Afghanistan, you know, last weekend we had a bit of a reunion when the book came out, and we were physical from the off you know that's just how we are with each other we're physical like physical in sometimes messing around you know giving each other little punches or stuff like that we're also physical in showing emotion like physical with an arm you know which we could be talking to someone and we've got an arm over the shoulder you know over the shoulder I'm not even pissed you know are not you're not drunk at this point but just you know that's how we you know we display emotion physically um in in in, in the kind of the the positive and the negative
1: mm. well you have um i interviewed a guy called uh, ryan stone um ryan stone i guess uh, just the other day and he's one of his things was that too many guys don't want to appear homosexual so they miss out on like the good things in life like you know pedicures and all that kind of stuff because it, it looks dodgy to their friends and they're worried about what people see but it's also that human contact that kind of Big long hag the you know, like that anything that i get somebody might go oh you know make a joke about a lot of guys back away from, and I think that's so sad. We miss connections with friends.
0: Yeah, I mean, like, like we were the last weekend. Like I said, we weren't even drunk at this point. It was just a happiness of seeing like brothers that you hadn't seen for years, and it was direct eye contact and just saying like, "I really miss you, mate. I love you." and like having that direct eye contact and there wasn't one person at that table that hadn't killed people <laughs> you know like that is a, a table of people who have been through some hard fighting in afghanistan and iraq and i'm thinking like we don't have a problem saying it you know we don't have a problem saying it and i think that's probably one of the best gifts i ever got out of the army was having that um having that ability because I, I, it's definitely some of I, i don't know like it's Again, it's something like – I've heard people talking about it on podcasts saying that they don't feel like they can say this stuff. I actually feel – I find this gone different. I find it's gone the other way. I find now that as I'm getting into – like now I'm in my mid-30s, now more than ever, my civilian friends, my military friends are all capable and willing to say – you know, I love you, mate. Even if maybe they need to have had a few drinks first. But people say it now. People have put it on the end of the text message. People have put a couple of kisses on there. Um, you know, sometimes, you know, for a, and sometimes you go over the top for joke. But I think I my own personal experience has been that in the last few years, it's actually become more acceptable to get into that, you know, that way of things. There's nothing wrong with if you're staying at your mate's house. nothing wrong both of you share the bed because there's only one bed and you watch a bit of Bake Off together. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. Um so, I, my, yeah, my experience has been the opposite of that.
1: Yeah, I mean, I find it strange because I've kind of come from a family of, you know, like people give each other hugs and, like, your nephew gives you a kiss a kiss goodbye and stuff like that when, like, you know, he's, like, six and stuff like that. And he's now at the point of, like, his friends are, t- like, taking the mick at him for it and all that. But, like, we've always been kind of, like, a kind of close family. You know, we all sit around the table, have dinner. And, you know, I've always being kind of close to my brother and stuff like that. And my dad's side of the family have always been a bit kind of, a bit stand up, a bit kind of a fade to show emotion is probably is a way, of, a better way of putting it. But like, I've got friends who yeah. nah, they're not even close to coming near you. Like, you know, that's, there's a kind of a line there, but then with jujitsu, you see it break down with people, you know, you can see them kind of opening up a side of them that they never thought possible. And it's really strange, like, you care about the other person and you start showing them, like, no, 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 don't choke me that way, choke me this way, you know, it's like you want the best for them. And it's it's that kind of side of, like, you know, you always give each other hugs and, like, high fives and all that kind of stuff because, you know, it's, it's an experience that you probably don't get in other avenues of life, but it's probably something that the closest...
0: Well, I don't know if you know the, If you know the <laughs> right girls, you, you but go. it's
1: been, it's probably the closest to like um a band of brothers that you probably get like in the army that a civilian would get that kind of you know like or like a rugby team or something where there is that bond with guys and I you know do you think that's why guys a lot of guys are kind of fuck ups basically you know is this where they're going wrong that we don't have that kind of ritual or team bondness or whatever you want to call it.
0: I think it just, make, just makes so much sense, doesn't it? When you look at it and just look at the fact that we are apes and look at how apes act in the natural world and the idea that, you know, like, I mean, look, everyone is different and some people are more masculine than others. And, you know, I, I like the way you had Aubrey Marcus on as a guest. I like the way that he differentiated between masculine and male, you know, you know, that you can be a masculine female, you know, you can be a, a feminine male. And I like that. But I I think that there's something, this just something that really kind of hits us in the DNA when we go out with a group of us with a common purpose. And that common purpose could be, you know, supporting the same football team, or it could be, you know, it could be going to war together. Um, and I think the more hardship you experience together, the closer the bonds go. I mean, I don't think any of it is rocket science, really. You know what I mean? Like, I think like when are you, when are you happiest? When are you most fulfilled? When are you when do you feel the most connection? It's usually when you've just gone something through something hard with each other. Like and uh, like I remember like waiting for kickoff, you know, in rugby. You know, you've got that moment and you are kind of like fucking hell. I hope they don't kick it off to me, and then they do, <laughs> and then it's and then you take that first tackle and then that's it. And you're into it. And then for the next eighty minutes, you know, it's you and your mates against another set of mates. And you know, at the end of it, you know, you've been knocked around. There's something as well something i started doing the gym recently sometimes if i don't feel like i'm in the mood is just to start just to start giving myself like a bit of a pounding in the shoulders and the chest just to kind of get myself going and you know what it might look a bit stupid but i tell you what if you beat if you just start beating your fists against your chest and your arms for 20 30 seconds fucking hell it puts you in the zone for 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 working out like if 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 at that point you're not fired up you might as well just leave but there's something about like, there's something about getting hit that just releases something within us. I don't know the exact physiological effects, but the psychological effects are, you know, if you, once you get, once you get hit, you know, it's like same as in jujitsu, I imagine it's like the first time, you know, you get that first time that evening that you get an arm around your throat. Well, once that's done, then you're all, you're probably way more in the zone and you probably start, you know, you start to to feel, you know, you're getting that fight and flight, but all you're getting all the good parts out of it rather than the negative, because there's no escaping fight or flight emotions. So it's about getting the the good stuff out of it.
1: Well, I mean, when you, um, as as one of my friends calls it, it's go time, you know, it's that moment of you immediately go in and you're maybe thinking about, like, well, my boss, this, and I had a pile of work to do and all that kind of stuff, but it's that moment you get that first take down to the ground and somebody knocks you to the floor and they're on top of you and they're wrestling for your arm to try and bend it behind your back or they're going the arm around your, you know, they come around behind you and they've got the arm around your throat and, you know, it's that moment you quickly switch on. And if you manage, if you're lucky enough to block it because, you know, cause you've fucked up a long time ago to get to that kind of stage. Um, it's that moment it comes you you switch into it and that's what i love about it it's like you forget all your problems and it's you know it's like you're saying it's like for that 80 minutes for the two hours whatever it is for the training you really get into that moment and you see so many guys in the gym just sleepwalking. You know, it's like the phones are out, they're playing songs between things, they're texting people, they're taking photos of themselves. I'm like, what the hell are you doing? You
0: just described me in the gym. <laughs> no, 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 I've, been the, I've been the first to say I do have days. I definitely have days where I sleepwalk in the gym. And I think, to be honest, most of the days where I'm doing it, I'm aware that I'm doing it. Mm. And I'll be like, oh, you're not really getting the most out of this session. And then I'll have a kind of thing of like, right. Well, what are you doing instead? And if there's like, if it's like, right. You're applying to emails, or you're trying to set up a holiday, or you're talking to a mate that you haven't spoken to for a while. Sometimes I might go like, you know what? Maybe that is actually more important than the workout, and it's better that you're here than not be here at all. Um, but then there are the you know, I do think that there's it's great to have some kind of exercise where you can't do that. So like, if you're doing jujitsu or hill sprints or something, you know, you can't that you're not going to get distracted. You are going to be focused. And I think it's, I, I, I don't like, try not to beat myself up about stuff, you know, these days. So instead of being like, ah, oh, shit, you know what? That wasn't the greatest session. I was on my phone a bit too much. So I try and think like, well, you know what? You went to the gym and okay, well, it wasn't the best, but okay, you you know, but look, look on the positive side. You know, you just read one of your friends message you, that you hadn't heard off for a couple of months and you found out that he's just had a baby. So that's cool. And yeah. you've got to work out. now tomorrow Tomorrow you're going to go do some hill sprints because, you know, you recognize the fact that today wasn't the best workout. So you're going to make up for it with some hill sprints tomorrow. And that's kind of how I trying to think of it then. But I do think like it is important to have that. Um, Cause the other thing as well is like, I the thing with the phone is um, for instance, if the phone's out in the car, it's, you still know the phone's out in the car and that you're still distracted by the thought of being on your phone. It's like the distractions there anyway. Um, I, and I, I, I think that there's some days where it's like, I've got, I'll have my phone with me, but I'm so, I really want that workout so much that I'm like, I don't give a fuck about my phone. It can be in my pocket. I don't care. It's, uh, it's just sometimes um, there's those days and that, you know, I think this is what differentiates people who are athletic machines. You know, I, I, I know a few of them and it's that they can turn that on every day, that absolute focus onto their athletic endeavors. Whereas for me, honestly, it's, it's probably more of a, um, it's, I'd say it's like a 50, 50, you know, there's, it's whether or not I'm going to be totally in the zone that day or not. Cause sometimes I, I can do it, like leave my phone out, you know, take a, you know, take some kind of cognitive enhancer or whatever before I go, and I'll have all those kind of go first thing in the morning before I've even looked at emails or, or texts or anything like that. And I'll still find that I'm like fucking scatterbrained or not like that's. Kind of how it, you know, kind of how it seems
1: to go for me. Well, you I mean you can never be one hundred percent perfect, and that's that's the other side. Is I, I push myself to the point of like, yeah, I'm going to do this. I'm going to get like a, a podcast tonight, and then I'm going to get a, a post out ready for tomorrow. Then I'm going to schedule another one, and and then I'll, I'll be going absolutely fine. And then I'm going to have a shit training session, and that'll be it. My brain will be off. Like you know, but I mean, I listen to music and stuff like that in the gym, and then there are days I'll be sitting and I will miss a squat that I could smash, mm-hmm. you know, reps and reps of, because I'm not focusing. on playing with my phone and that. And then there's other days, like you say, you go in and you have to kind of switch yourself into it, and you have a great session. Other times you go in and you have an amazing session. So I mean, it's it's definitely you know you need a a balance, a healthy.
0: So something I so, something I've started doing. Um, which is because I, I like you know, and I would you and I were talking before we hit record. Like we both had hard people ourselves. I'm sure most of your guests probably are, and that's why you know you want. It, that's where they're you know, doing what they're doing. But one thing that I've I've started doing, which is it, which has really helped me, is that if I do have a session which I don't think is the best, I think right. You know what? It's not the end of the world. This evening, um, you're going to do ten minutes in the house. And you're going to do, or, or you're going to do fucking two Tabata circuits, you know, 20 seconds on, 20 seconds off, that kind of thing. And you're just going to do eight minutes of fucking squats or eight minutes of high knees or something like that. And that little, that, that little kind of like, it's like an admission and a correction. That puts me in a really good mental place then because it's like you've acknowledged you've acknowledged that you've not done your best work. But then you've also kind of acknowledged to yourself as like, this isn't a punishment, but it's just like, hey, look, it's not a big deal. We can make up for it. And we'll just do some high-intensity stuff for five minutes. And then having done that, you actually get the knock-on effect then of feeling really good about yourself because it's like, yeah, you know what? I could have done better, and I did, and I made up for it. And now I can go to bed. I'm not going to be lying in bed going, oh, focus, shouldn't do a better session this morning. It's like, you know, you've made up for it. And I think doing that, has, that that's really helped me out with, um, with like kind of picking up the slack on training.
1: I mean do you still find that you have a lot of days where you kind of struggle like that or are you kind of getting kind of more motivated now you know is it the same sort of thing with your writing I'm I'm,
0: I'm very good, I'm very good at, at beating myself up but I've become a lot more I'd say over the last year I've become a lot more accepting of myself as yeah. a person um, and, and and therefore the, you know it's I, I don't I'm, I'm, I used to do this thing of comparing myself to other people a lot so you know, like let's say, for instance, I had a bad session where I could go, "Oh well, I've still done more than other people." But then the flip side of that is, then you look at you know the people I compare myself to would be like I have friends who are professional athletes. So I'm a fucking writer, but I'd be comparing my physique to the professional athletes that I know, or I'd be comparing my bench to the professional athletes that I know, even though my my job is to type out fucking words. So you know that's how. So that 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 didn't work for me doing that because. Um, I, you know, I, I would just put myself in a bad place. Now that I just kind of, you know, I'm more accepting of who I am as a person, and more accepting that I'm a human. You know, a human, and there's going to be days where I train well, and there's going to be days that I don't. And you know, same as same as writing. But it, it it depends, dude. It's like if things are going, if things are going well in life, it's a lot easier to be okay with how things are going. If if a lot of things, are, if, if things are going wrong or not as as you'd want them to then, you know, it's it, it's easier to start to beat yourself up.
1: It certainly sounds like we're very similar, you know. It's that kind of moment of, like, you expect 100% perfect from yourself the whole time and you get annoyed with a simple slide, you know. Um, there's a it's Instagram, there's a thing called Afro Brutality, I think the thing's called. And I think one of it is, is like, you're always been Afro-brutality, uh, yeah, and it's saying you're busy doubting yourself while so many people are intimidated by your fucking potential. And I, that really hit home for me. It's like, you know, it's how much we kind of critique all the tiny little things where people are seeing the amazing things you're doing, but we can't see it. You know, you can't see the wood for the trees because you're so focused on the little things. And I think we don't give, especially as men, we don't give ourselves credit for a lot of the good stuff. But we come from a society where you're not meant to talk about your problems. You're not meant to talk about your emotions. You're meant to be the breadwinner. You're meant to be strong. You're meant to be dominant, great father, perfect at your job, carves, like, you know, all this kind of stuff. A lot of guys can't cope with that. We've never been brought up. We haven't got the hard skills, the soft skills to cope with any of this kind of stuff. And it's, you see yourself as a lot of guys get lost and they need things like jujitsu, the military team sports mentors to try to bring them out of it because we seem to be a lost generation at the moment. It's, it's really sad. You know, you see these guys on the bus hurling abuse at like old people and stuff like that and you think, what the fuck happened to you? You know, I would have been my beaten black and blue by my parents if I even dared give a dirty look at somebody
0: yeah that, that's that's the thing with those people i am very much in the the, the thing of now of i look at somebody and i and i, I and i do still think you're responsible for your actions but you you don't become a kid who's throwing abuse at some an old person on a bus or whatever if you had good parents you just don't you know so i i'm not saying that that i'm not painting the the you know them as the victim but the fact is that they've probably had a pretty shit life if that's what they've turned into but at the same time, you know, like I was talking to a friend the other day and she was telling me about like a problem someone in one of her, in her family's having. And I know it sounded bad. He's a 17 year old lad now. And the answer that just kept popping in my head was someone needs to just give this lad a fucking slap. Like he's never had anything bad happen to his life. Everyone's bending over backwards for him, giving him excuses. And I thought he needs a copper or someone to give him a fucking slap around the head. And I'm not saying beat him up, I'm saying give him a slap around the head and say, you know what, mate? You're not fucking hard. You're not. You know, there's not this big fucking bad man you think you are. You're a fucking you're you're a fucking weasel who contributes nothing. And you know what? You'll always fucking be that. And you know, you can talk about that. Like, he's one of these kids who, who thinks he's a fucking gangster and stuff, but he's not. He's not hard. He's not. He's not scary. There's fucking. There are people out there who are fucking hard and scary fucking gangsters. There are real ones out there. And I think Jesus Christ, because I, I I thought like. If you threw him in a fucking cell with some fucking scary fucking some actually scary people for a day like i've been into oh thank God I've never been to prison on a sentence, but I've been into prisons on visits to talk to um veterans in there um you know try and like help them out with you know like get some of the kind of like the uh the things that i've 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 learned to help my mental health and um just being there for a day was enough to make me think like jesus christ there's some fucking scary fuckers in there and i mean i've i've been through some shit and i thought they were scary fuckers i thought you should just be able to grab a lad like him drag him down there throw him in and say you want to stay here for the day or you're going to fucking get your act together and he's even fucking changed it seems to like such an obvious answer but we are we are like we we're, we're, we're a very weird we're a very weird society in that we we we're okay with extreme violence like we're okay with war we're okay with we're okay with having computer games which show you know people you can kill people we're okay with that but we're not okay with slapping someone around with the head when they deserve a fucking slap And i'm sorry if it offends anyone but sometimes people deserve a fucking slap
1: Mm -hmm. like when we were growing up i got like a slap in the bum for talking like like swearing in front of a parent and all this kind of stuff, and it never did anything to me and nowadays it's this moment of like you can't you know we get participation trophies we can't take kids off and you see the kind of what's happening i mean i don't agree that we should be like corporal punishment like the belts and schools and all that kind of stuff but there needs you know there needs to be some level of discipline and this is the problem is a lot of people don't have any kind of rituals from into manhood, they don't have to kind of be. They don't have to show anything. They've got no need for them because they get like we're picking up the tab for them to, you know, job seekers allowance and all this kind of stuff. And it's really irritating because they they they're not ever been given the opportunity. And probably deep down, a lot of them are probably nice people who've gone by the wayside and have portrayed have created a kind of character or personality. You know, obviously, there's some absolute arseholes, yeah. but there are probably some people who could be saved but just haven't had a chance or they haven't had enough.
0: Well, it is, it's, it's, there's no fear of consequence because they know that nobody... like. So I'm just going to stick with your example of like the kid on the bus. So you know, let's say there's a young kid on the bus hurling abuse at somebody on the bus. They know that nobody can do anything to them. And not only can nobody do anything to them, but if anybody does then the tables are actually turned, and then that person is is going to have the law go after them. Now, I don't think that you're going to find many people who who, who would... I, honestly, if you poll people in the UK, and let's say we, this scenario of, let's say you've got a 16-year-old lad who's taunting and 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 abusing an elderly person on the... And this person is like, you know, you can see is, into, is upset physically and mentally, right? I don't think you're going to find many people who would have a problem with a man in his 30s fucking threatening that lad to shut his mouth, and if he doesn't, he gets a clack around the head. And I'm not saying a punch or anything. Like, there's a big difference between hitting someone and giving a clack around the head to basically... Because what, what? Because the thing is, right, you do jujitsu, so you get choked out on a regular basis. You're still alive. You're still here. No. It hasn't done you any harm. I've been fucking knocked around. In, I got knocked around in rugby for the best part of, what, 15, 16 years. It didn't do me any harm. Giving a lad an open palm around the fucking side of the head it doesn't, it's not about physically hurting them. It's about putting them in their place and saying, you are not above reproach. You are not above things happening to you. Because what they, it's what, what young lads especially fear more than anything else is being made to look an idiot and being made to look and being made to be ashamed. So they are far more, because something like an ASBO or something is just a badge of honor. It doesn't worry them. Whereas if they got a clap around their head and their hat, their hat goes flying and they all of a sudden are literally kind of have to shut, they have to shut their mouth because they know that they're in fucking trouble at that point. You know, that is way more of a deterrent than anything else. And I'm sorry if that doesn't fucking sit well with people's, you know, what they want the world to be like. But what you want the world to be like and what the world is are two very fucking different things. You know, people forget that we are a fucking, we are an animal, we are an ape you know so much of our our desires and our actions are driven by our hardwiring our fucking you know what's what's in, mm-hmm. in it's not what choices we make it's what's in us right so if we if we can accept that about some things if we can accept that we're driven to want partners and we're driven you know we're driven to you know we're driven to seek um, you know we're driven to seek food we're driven to seek shelter we you know all that kind of stuff why can we not why can we not accept that there are like if we look at look at it on a strategic point of view. Nobody has a problem with UK, the US, you know, Western countries slapping down terrorist groups in order to maintain, you know, our hierarchy, our position in the world. No one has a problem with that. But then on a personal level, they have a problem with you doing exactly the same action, you know, to keep to keep the, that kind of hierarchy and. The, that kind of, that hierarchy that kind of ensures as much as possible that there 's peace you know there is no perfect system, but that slap around that kid 's head could stop him being an asshole for the next ten years of his life you know and is, is it is it not better is it not better to have that is it Definitely. not better to I mean, have that because i just i tell you if it, if it was a possibility it wouldn't very it would very rarely need to happen
1: would you say it 's probably more that when it's war zones and things like that it's away it's out of sight you know it's kind of like somebody else is doing it somebody else is having to step up and be that person to control it whereas if it's you having to tell somebody off on the bus for being you know for being cheeky or a drunk guy you like know, mouthing off in front of the kids or whatever it is you know would is that why a lot of people would prefer it
0: Yeah, there's a a diffusion of personal responsibility for one thing. You know, it's like, um, you know, people want things done. They don't often want to do it themselves. And that's one thing. The other thing as well is that, you know, it's scary on two levels to stand up to things like that. One of the reasons it's scary is because, you know, there is the consequence that there could be physical harm. Now, again, this might be an unpopular opinion with some people, probably not with your listeners, but I think if you are a man, and if you are a physically capable man, you have a duty to stand up for people who cannot physically stand up for themselves as well as you can. Um, I'll give an example. Once I was on the train, um, and there was a group of people who uh, who were being like there was a family of them. They were being very abusive to other people on the train. Um, a couple of people had tried to speak to them nicely, that just got them abuse. You could see, you could feel the atmosphere in that carriage. Everybody was was put off scared by these people and i thought i was on my own and i thought you know what i'm a fucking soldier i have a fucking responsibilities to stick up for people and so i went and talked to these people i tried to do it as pleasantly as possible and then i you know and straight away their threats came out my cousins will be waiting to stab you when you get off the train all of that and then straight away that fl- switch flicked in me then i thought well, fucking bring your fucking cousins then you know, and it was that point when I, want, I actually wanted that physical confrontation, which probably wasn't the smartest thing. But, I'll, you know, I'm just being honest. And, and, I, and I thought, like, you know, at least at that point, their attention and stuff was directed at me rather than the elderly women and stuff that it had been directed at on the train. And you know what? Maybe, maybe I might have ended up getting my fucking head kicked in on that train. But some, you know, I'm a member of society. Sometimes maybe it's your job to take a kick in so that other people don't so so that other people don't take it. And I just think that, for lack of a better word, a, a lot of a lot of people are um, fucking wimps and they won't stand up for things. Now, in people's defence, let's be honest: the law is not kind to people who do stick up for um, for other people in these situations. Like you have, if you if you come into a situation like that you are far like, more likely to probably find yourself on the yeah. end of the police report rather than the person who's helping to, to give it. And I think that that is, 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 I think that is such a terrible thing where we're in this position where you have to honestly think twice of, I know it's the right thing to get involved because we know, we know right from wrong. So you're like, I know it's the right thing to get involved, but what happens if I do? I mean, so for me, you know i want to I want to eventually one day move to the states, me intervening in a fight like let's say i was let's say I was seeing some young kids and they were being abusive towards somebody, and I went over tried to break it up, and I end up getting like I end up having to put my hands on these these and i say kids let's say the sixteen I end up having to put my hands on them right I could end up with um some kind of sanctions from that which would stop me being able to get a visa to go and live in the states. So if yeah. I see a situation like that, I have to ask myself, you know, do do I want to get involved in this situation? And I think it's fucking nuts that we're in that position.
1: Yeah, and that's the thing is it could, even though you're doing the right thing, could stop you evolving and developing as a person because of some situation and... You know, somebody, they treat that like they're the guilty, you know, like they're the hurt party, that they're the injured party, and you're the one that was in the wrong. And you think, something's not right here.
0: You know, it's. Yeah, and it's not just them doing it. It's they're backed up by, um, a lot of the time, they are backed up by the lawmakers, and they are backed up. I told this story on my podcast recently. You know, my mum had been doing some property developments, and the local kids kept coming and stoning the windows through. And the police attitude was, oh, well, the kids don't have anything else to do. I'm like, hang wait, what? How has it got to this position where the police are standing up for kids smashing windows saying they haven't got anything else to fucking do? But that is the attitude in a lot of the police you know, in a lot of policing, not all policing, there's some fucking awesome cops out there. You know, and I'm sure that they are the most frustrated out of anybody with this stuff. But there are a lot of people who who blame the victims. And and that's that's something that we see across you know across and if anything from violence to to rape, it's a lot of time there's victim blaming, um, and and it's 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 and then people standing up for the culprits. Oh well, they had a bad upbringing. All right, fine, I'll take that. They had a bad upbringing. That but the, what you need to do there, if they had a bad upbringing, you fucking punish them and help and help rehabilitate them. You don't wipe the slate clean because someone had a bad. Every every everyone has had some shit happen in their life. I don't care if you are fucking upper class, middle class, lower class whatever everyone 's had some fucking shit you might be from you might be from a fucking upper class family and you might have had a, a violent father you know it, it, there's not a class there's not one class that has the you know the the kind of monopoly on on um, on trauma in their lives you know and um I think it, it, it's it's sad because it's it's for the detriment of everybody it's for the detriment of everybody in society as a whole that we let this shit slide
1: so how would we like <laughs> It, it winds me up when I think back, like you know that you'd have been marched down, you have been apologi- you'd have been told to apologize to the person. They w- you probably would have got like balking by both your parents. You're been grounded and all that. And nowadays it's just kind of you ask these parents, don't even know where their kids are. You know they're just out drinking. Dr- you know it's just like no, no, we just let them do what they want. Or we're we're the we're the cool parent. We're the we're the friend and all that. And you think, you what? You know, I was like. My, I knew exactly where I stood with my parents. Like I, I would never talk back to them, because I knew my mom would just need to raise an eyebrow, and that'd be, it. I'd be like, right, fair enough. But I just don't get the the world we're in. But how how did you find the army took these kind of kids who came in who are little arseholes, who maybe had no kind of control. No, not saying that every um, soldier is, but you know the ones who come and they need the discipline how does the army take somebody like that and shape them into like amazing people? Cause like, you know, these guys who like served in the wars, or, like in the world war two and all that, these guys who have maybe come from broken homes and have become amazing people f- by their time in the forces. How does the army shape you as a kind of into a good person?
0: Right. Well, there's a few things on this. Um, First of all, I'd say that the army that exists now, I have been told, is different to the one that I belong to. Um, I do think that, from what I've heard, this culture has this culture has seeped into the army now, which is, you know, inevitable. The army is always going to be a reflection of society mm-hmm. to a lot of extent. So, so I'm speaking for the army that I joined in 2000, and um, you know, the way I had to the way I had to solve a lot of issues was with my first. Um, you know, like sometimes the lads didn't want, they didn't want to do what you told them. And, you know, you what what we used to call is go behind the Hesco, where Hesco is like the the big baskets that are filled with that sand and stuff to You know, it's like blast protection. And you go behind there and you sort it out with your fists. Um, I don't think there's that much of that around anymore. There's probably less of it around when I was in than there was before and, you know, and so on and so forth. Um, but that was part of it. Sometimes you need to fucking hit someone, you know, as simple <laughs> as that. You just have to hit somebody um and you know sometimes you need to beat that beat that into them. um now obviously there's a lot of that, that was that wasn't all the time um and i think that those what i would say is not everyone that goes into the army does come out better for it some people are a shit bag when they go in and they're a shit bag when they come out and you know as much as i'd love to say that everybody in the army is this gleaming upstanding this person they're not there are a lot of shit bags um but mostly it's it's, it's good blokes and I think that the thing that makes people their best, or they might think that they feel like they were at their best in the military, is that you've got you've got a very clearly defined purpose. Um, Even if you even if you're not even if you're not on operations, just being a soldier is a purpose in itself. Um, It's obviously a very strong identity, and it's a group identity. You know, you have team. You, I think, I think that such. I think one of the, the the biggest issues that society is kind of facing now is we've gone into this idea that it's good for people to live on their own, which I think is bonkers. I think that the idea of us living, you know, like we strive, we strive from you finish school and it's like you try and go out and live on your own as soon as possible, live in an apartment on your own. I think that's fucking nuts. Like that just doesn't make any sense. Like. How is like if you look back through history, people have not lived on their own really? That's not been a thing. But then again, I come back to this uh, hard wiring. You know, why do we think that like we now we we are in this grip of an epidemic of suicides and loneliness? Well, does it not make sense that that's because people have been fed this lie that you should be trying to move out and live on your own as soon as possible? Live in this fucking little apartment on your own?
1: Mm -hmm. It's fucking nuts. And then we end up. So I think be. well, we end up with no. So, we end up with no kind of social grouping because you become lonely. We're
0: not, be not meant to be on your own. You're not meant. We're not meant to be on our own. That's fucking. That's just so stupid. Like so, we you know. We uh, so in the army, just being in a group, having your group, and then it's all the things that come through. That it's the you know the banter, you know the just. I think you know. I think I heard this the, that this Harvard business. Day, I think I heard this on Joe Rogan or something. I think it was. Uh, there's a have a business school study that came out saying that something like this ridiculous number of people or ridiculous percentage of people in the workplace were too scared to talk to their colleagues in case they said something that offended them. Well, I tell you what, you're not having that fucking issue in the army. You know, we, we used to take the piss out of, the only thing that you wouldn't, the, the only thing that you wouldn't take take the piss out of was someone's kids. But like you could, we had people with dead mums, but we may be making jokes about, the kind of necrophilia that they get up to with their dead mums. Like that was, there was no limit to the banter. So you didn't have to watch what you said. Like the banter was merciless. and um, Sometimes it would go too far, of course, but you know, that was, that was there. You didn't have to watch what you say. And to, so, you know, to, to just have that liberty of being able to say whatever's on your mind and run your mouth. I think that's really underestimated how important that is. Um, so, and then, You know, we then there's the the physical attribute. You know, like every morning you start every morning with PT. So even if like so, those of us who are keen, we do our own stuff late in the day as well. But at a very minimum, you're doing PT once a day. You know, so we, you know, I'm sure it's well documented on your podcast the positive effects. I doubt you've had many guests on, if any, who have said that exercise is not an important part of life, right? I don't think anybody. yeah, exactly. So you've so you've got exercise in your day. Like there's it's not you, you're not gonna have to worry about when can I fit the gym in. Don't worry, your day is starting with physical exercise. And it might be something really fucking hard, like a log run or an obstacle course or something like that. Um so you know, there's a lot of these attributes that come with it. Now, don't get me wrong, there are negative sides and there is negative consequences in military service as well. But I just think for me, I look at it and I think. That was when I was at my most natural state. When we were in Afghanistan, when there was a group of us living in a small little patrol base together, I mean like 15, 16 of us living together, you know, we don't have no electricity, no distractions, just a group of young, you know, it's like the hunter gatherer thing, you know, the men would go off together and hunt. Maybe you go for days at a time. There'd be the group of you, you'd work together, you'd be in a fight for survival maybe at times. And I mean, that so, to be at war with a small group of guys, that is as close as our natural state as you can get to in
1: 2019. I mean, would you say because it was, was actually just hitting home that I mean, would you say that guys then should all guys should be doing like combat sports and rugby and team sports and that in a way that I would teach them self defense, but it would also allow them to learn to control their energy. Is that why some of these kids act out? Is because they don't have a kind of control on their energy. They don't have an out, a outlet to get rid of it. So it kind of comes out in abrupt other ways. You know, like what we see is them being a are so might be their way of kind of trying to deal with like the energy that's flowing through them and they don't know how to deal with it. Or is it, is it apologising?
0: I don't... I don't think that there's any coincidence that this kind of like that behavior and stuff that you're talking about has coincided with taking things like, like there's very few schools now that have rugby, you know, because they've taken these, they've taken these physical sports away, you know, like young men. I'm, I'm and again, I'm not, I'm not all young men, but masculine young men want contact. They want, they need to get aggression out. I mean, when you are like a young man, you have so much testosterone and bounce around yourself, it's going to come out in, it's going to express itself in one way or another. So, you know, I think, I think there's an arrogance in our society in thinking that we know better now than all these generations that have come before us. There's a reason that institutions and sports like, like rugby and boxing and things, there's a reason that these things have developed. And it's not, it, it was like boxing didn't develop. So a few people could get rich off pay-per-view. You know, it served a purpose in the community, you know, and it it taught it taught people discipline. It taught people the fact that they should respect, you know, they should respect anger or or sorry, they could be, they should control, uh, you know, they should control anger and they could, you know, they could develop a skill and they could, um, you know, they could challenge, you know, they could challenge them. Because anyone that boxing is not about challenging other people it's about challenging yourself same as jujitsu or anything like that it's it's about the you know this challenge against yourself and if, if somebody doesn't have that i i mean i i can't imagine how I would have turned out if i didn't have the outlets of rugby in the military i'd probably be, i'd probably be i I'd probably be a horrible bitter twisted and angry person i'm fucking angry now and I still have had, i've had've had outlets for it <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I completely agree. with you it's like when I look at back when I was younger, we used to play a game called uh, British Bulldogs. I don't know if you ever played oh, this yeah. at yeah. school. Yeah, yeah, great,
0: great game. you not to play it.
1: Yeah, because people were no, like, I like, was killing yeah. killing each other, but at the end of it, you come in and you'd you be like so close to your pals, and you see that now with so many kids when they're younger is. They want to be out and playing, they want to be Captain Jack Sparrow, they want to be this guy, the teenage turtle, all these kind of things, but they want to, but they're playing, they're chasing each other, they're jumping on top of each other, they're rolling around on the floor wrestling and all that. And nowadays, parents are giving them like, you know, a wee movie cinema for the car because rather than speak to them and expand their mind, or they're giving them the iPad before dinner because they can't be bothered really kind of having, they don't know what to do with them and it's they've taken away that physicalness like i've got two young nephews and a niece and they're very restricted on you know like their ipad use their phone use and all that but like they love it when they get a chance but they much rather playing and creating and you know going out and frog spawn and chasing like you know working well we have got sheep like the family like sort of croft and all that you know they love all that kind of helping stuff but they love being part of nature kind of thing. And I think that's missing with so many kids is some kids never get to experience like going into a field and seeing where their food comes from or, you know, like helping somebody and doing a proper honest days graft to work. Um, do you remember the TV show, the one that put people to um, was it the first world war military service? I'm trying to think what it's called hard bastards or something.
0: Oh you're of bad, bad That's bad
1: one.
0: But is that bad lads army? Yeah, there was like a national service. It was like fifties national That's service hilarious. it was. I mean that was a great example of that was a great example of a bunch of lads who thought they were hard who weren't hard because they all ended up crying on there. And I mean I'll tell you this, I've never seen lads crying in, in normal in, in normal army training so it's the fact that these lads were were crying because they thought but it's because they thought they were so hard and then they had their worldview shattered because their worldview was i'm nails and the world revolves around me and then what was so great about that show was that it was like the world doesn't revolve around you you're not nails but you know what you are valuable and you are and you can be a great bloke and you can become a hard bastard and you can become so. It wasn't about just saying like, "No, you're a shitbag and you don't deserve any help." It was actually the opposite. And this is what, like, you know, like, I, I'm I'm a pretty liberal person in a lot of ways, but I think where people, a lot of people go wrong when they're trying to, because I do believe people try and do these things for the good, for the right reasons. But when you're soft on people, that is actually being that that you're actually doing them a disservice because you're never going to get the best out of that person. So. What I loved about that series was you'd have these lads who were shitbags, but it wasn't about breaking them down uh, for no reason to just, it wasn't about breaking them down to be like, look what we can do to you, we can break you down. It was about, we are going to build you into your best self. And by the end of that show, every single one of those lads was happy that they'd gone, and they were a better version of themselves. Um, And I don't think national service these days can work. I think once it was got rid of, there's no bringing it back um and i also don't I, i'm also like i'm not i'm not a fan of having a big i'm not a fan of having an army full of conscripts i just don't think operationally it's a good idea um and i don't think people if they're not if they don't want to be part of a military service then they shouldn't have to but i do think some form of you know some form of service which which puts people out of their comfort zone which takes them away from their their hometowns which makes a mix with different groups of people you know all these things I think are so important um I think it's a real shame that there's nothing like you know there's there's nothing like that around what I was going to say though going back onto something about the physical stuff for kids because I mean I I do know some I'm not not a parent myself but I do know some great parents and to be fair they are fantastic Mm -hmm. with their kids about getting them out doing all that stuff that you were talking about um I, just, I thought it was really interesting one day I was at the zoo and outside the monkey enclosure, they had a set of monkey bars, you know, so kids could go up on these monkey bars and act out like, um, you know, the monkeys. And these kids were flying, these little kids were flying across the monkey bars. And I thought, I'm a fit bloke now and I can't because I'm, you know, I've got all tight in my upper back and stuff. I thought, I'll still do monkey bars, but I'm not going to be, I'm not flying across them. And I thought most people would not, most, most grown men in their twenties and thirties would not be able to do monkey bars, no chance at all. And I thought, fuck me. I thought, when, when, did it become, when, when, when was it that there's that break where you go right now, it's not okay to play on monkey bars and stuff anymore. And I think it's probably when, when, I, when, um, like kids get to their teens, I think that's when that kind of stuff stops happening. And once you stop doing oh, it for like yeah. a few years, you never. It's very hard for someone to ever get back into it. And I thought, like, I thought if there's one thing I could change about, if there's one thing I could change about, like our education system, it would be that like physical activity would be a huge part of the syllabus, and not just sports, but just things like getting people playing. Like again, I'm going to go back to Aubrey Marcus because he's like, um, you, I know he's a guest you've had before, and I've just finished listening to his book um that, that owned the day book which and i thought the i this I and, I and this is something that i definitely believe in and not a lot of my friends do too is getting back to play you know so you know throw if it's throwing a football around like an american football around on the beach or a frisbee or it's a bit of touch rugby or something like that the more you do that stuff in adulthood the better i think and definitely that is what needs to be happening in childhood, is, is 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 playing and moving. Because if you're not doing it in your teens, you're never going to be doing it the rest of your life.
1: Uh, and how many guys have grown up, you know, the last thing they did exercise-wise was maybe probably PE when they are at school, like physical education. Um, there's a guy called uh, Charlie Holland. I don't know if you ever read his book, Play It Away. And that's what he says is that we've forgotten how to play. We've forgotten the joy of just going out there and just playing for the sake of playing you know it doesn't. you don't need to compete you don't need to do it for fitness but he said you know he shows the benefits of like that you build your skills your creative thinking that you get fit you do this you get you know you get used to playing with people the closeness again and human touch and social interaction all these kind of skills but he's like we've just forgotten how to play and it's like how many guys do you hear that it's like oh I used to lift but now my knee's baggered oh I used to lift but now my back's sore and you think, what do you mean used to? Why did you stop? And it's like, as soon as you use it, you lose it. And it's it's really sad. It's, I mean, I just this is why I always find it strange. It's like, because you see countries like Israel, you know, like they have conscripts. Is it, um, I think, is it Norway that does the same? You know, they have like their national service. And you think, is that a thing that we should be doing? Should we be, you know, you see that debate the whole time is should people be... Forced to do something in the, you know, like for their country, to instill that national pride.
0: Yeah, it just it just wouldn't work. It wouldn't work you now. It, it just wouldn't. Like when when you've got a society. So like when I was in Norway um, recently, they were very people there were very polite. It was respectful. You know, there was a sense of civic pride there. You could just feel. And and like the their thing with their conscription in Norway as well is it's voluntary. So it's like. You get called up, but if you don't really want to go, you don't have to go. So, I mean, that kind of defeats the object like a little bit. But for the people that may be on the fence, it's a good way of getting them in because they think, well, I could just go and do a couple of years and, you know, great. Um, but I, I think in, in, in our nation now, there's, there's in the UK, you know, in the UK for in, in international listeners, there's no way that it could happen because even in the army, even in the army now, you can't do... Um, you, you, for instance, in the army now, this, you, you know, sometimes you can't speak to someone in a certain way if they find it offensive. Well, you're in the fucking army. Bottom line is your job is to kill people. Even if you're a <laughs> chef, right? Well, I mean, especially a chef in the army, they probably kill more people than anyone else. But, um, but like, you know, your job is to, if you, if called upon, you have to kill people. So the idea that you can turn around to your corporal and say, corporal, I don't like you speaking to me in that way is mental i mean that is absolutely like, that is the definition of insanity that is mad so if you can't do that in the regular army then i mean there's there's just absolutely no point in us having national service here anyway because it would be so watered down It would never it, the opposite would be true you know the opposite would would be the you'd, ha- you'd get the opposite effect of what you were going for
1: yeah because that's that would be my worry would be that we'd have to do it using today's rules. You wouldn't have it, like... Well, yeah, it just not just work. Because even back that Bad Lads Army, you could see that there was, like, you know, the things they were allowed to do if they did escape or leave and stuff like that, you know, they did have the option to go. So you knew deep down that wasn't you. But, I mean, back in the day, they would have got put in jail if they deserted and, yeah. you know, it's... I don't. Yeah, exactly. So in, two, in
0: 2000, right, when I was a recruit, when I was on a night exercise during my recruit training, and I didn't change fire positions fast enough, so I got kicked in my helmet by the instructor, right? So all it was was a, a kick in the side of my helmet, and it hurt, you know it, it hurt a little bit, but not much. It was definitely nothing as bad as getting tackled in rugby. This wasn't as bad as getting big hit in rugby. Do you think I ever, I forgot, uh, ever forgot that lesson about not changing fire positions? I saying
1: you changed quicker
0: uh, Yes. And you know what? when I went to Afghanistan, and Iraq, that was a pretty fucking important skill to have. So what was, be- what was more humane to me? What was better to me? Giving me a little kick in the helmet one night or being, or being like, oh, you know what, sweetheart? Maybe you could change fire positions better. And I go to Afghanistan <laughs> and I don't change fire positions. I get shot and killed. I'd like, be more ready to say
1: call me sweetheart. Yeah.
0: But it's just, it's, just, it's just ridiculous, isn't it? Like, you know, I was training for war and I got, I got reinforced. If he, now, don't get me wrong. If he kicked me every, every minute of every day, that lesson wouldn 't have stuck out, but because it was the one time it happened to me from him it stuck out and and, and I think that is a difference you know we 're very black and white society. Why does it have to be you know why does it have to be you can't touch recruits or you know you can't t- it's, or you can well you know life isn't like, life isn 't black and white there 's nuance to everything, and in that occasion. Uh, you know, if if you gave me the option of, like, you know, if you can go back then and you can get the same lesson, except this time he's going to kick you out there and give you a concussion, I'd say I'll still take that lesson. Because it's better than getting fucking shot.
1: Uh, and that's the thing, though. It's like, how many times have you had a parent do something that's maybe, like, you've thought, oh, fucking hell, yeah. But later on, you've realized they did it for the right reasons, you know. and. Right. At the end of the day, he wants to, he has to try to keep you alive in a situation that there is people there trying to hurt you. You know, yes, in a, today's society, if he did it as a teacher, it might be seen as un, unprofessional or whatever. But if you did, if you didn't do that and somebody got killed, that's on their conscience, you know, and that's the bit yeah. that, and he's doing something that sticks with you which will then help you become a better soldier, a better person, but also help you train other people and help them become better soldiers. And, you know, it's like that sort of pass it on thing. And that's what bugs me. is like, you know, people kind of go, oh, you hurt my feelings. Well, if, if I hurt your feelings and save your life, I'll hurt your feelings all the fuck time. And that's what I found even now. like Well,
0: sorry, I just, sorry, I just want to jump in there on the hurt feelings one, because I think this is something... What I want to know is when did it become a thing that there was this law that you're not allowed to hurt people's feelings? That isn't, is, right? one, is it? So, for instance, when, when, when I, yeah, exactly, when I put a book out, someone can review my book and say that it sucks, right? Now, it, it, the, the to follow through on how people are saying that we shouldn't be hurting people's feelings, well, are, are we going to go to the thing that no one can post a negative review on Amazon or something like? The, the fact is that someone's feelings are going to get like it's, this line has been drawn in, in, of, Oh, you can't hurt feelings and stuff. Well, that, the the world doesn't operate by those rules. Hmm. So this, we have this weird two tiered system where we think personally, we can't do that, but then professionally we can't. And it just, you can't have those two things separate. It doesn't work. You know, like you can't, like you can't operate in business with the same rules that you have in per, people have in their personal life now. So, I, I and I just think, like, you know, taking it back to, to, you know, to children and young young men, you know, again, you're doing people a disservice because when you take, like, let's say somebody's been told all their life, oh, you can do everything, you're great, everything's going to work out for you. No, you know, you're not a shit bag. No, don't worry about smashing that person's window. That wasn't your fault. You had nothing to do. And you go to the bank and you're like, oh, I want to do this business. And the bank look at your plan and go, no like oh how's that how's that person going to handle that or they go you know and they they get their first job and then the person says to them you know what like you're not actually not up to scratch we're letting you go like is it any wonder that young people are then suffering with mental health issues because their whole world their whole world view is getting shattered and that's not their fault that's the fault of the people that have, have been doing it to them it's like and, you know, there's an old saying of, like, you've got to be cruel to be kind. I don't even think you've got to be cruel to be kind. You've just got to be honest to be kind.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, how often do you see this nowadays of, like, they stop giving out first, second, and third um, you know, trophies in sports days because they don't want the other people taking part to feel let down? And I thought, I'd rather you teach somebody that, if you don't put the effort in, you don't get anything from life. You know, that... Like if you're not, I think I can't remember who said it. There was a quote that said, "If you're not got haters with what you're producing, you're obviously not producing some. You know, it's not like you're an honest interpretation of what you really could do because you try to please everybody. So if you haven't got haters, you're not doing it right." And every time I get a negative review, which I've had plenty of, like I think I got told off by somebody in one of my videos because I had a Scottish accent, and I thought I'm bloody from Scotland. What were you expecting? but, you know, it's like, but oh, when probably, you read probably, th-
0: probably, it's, probably someone English. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but you know what I mean? It's, it's like, I'm Fred
1: McHelt as usual. <laughs> but I'll, I'll read through them and I'll think, do they have merit? You know, is what they're saying true? Is my sound quality poor? Is it this? Is it that? Or are they just being a dick with their opinion? And I go, yeah, that's not really good enough, or I'll maybe change if it's something that's meditable, like, you know, that is something that's there, meditable, I don't even know if that's a word, Um but you know what I mean, it's like you take something from it, and it's like you know, you read your reviews and go, okay uh, have they got something else there? No? Right, fine. But you know you're more you know enough to accept and go, yeah, it's their opinion they might be wrong, they might disagree yeah. with me like, The but- thing
0: is the thing about reviews, mate, is that you look at who's giving the reviews, they're usually like five star or one star. And the truth is that usually you're not going to be a five star and you're not a one star. So it's like people are really glowing. like They're, they're so happy with it that they're giving a glowing report, which probably isn't most experiences, but people's experience of the product, be that, be that product, a book or a podcast, whatever. And then the people who give ones are clearly not. And um it's I always think that it's really funny with people who give one star reviews on stuff though, because it's like the level of, like let's say someone's had um and I'm not talking about my stuff now because I, I like to sometimes I'm just interested in human nature, so I'll just look at like say a really successful book, so um a book that's done really well in like let's say um the self de- you know self kind of personal development field, and I'll look at it and there'll be it's like let's say a thousand five star reviews. And then there'll be two or three one-star reviews. And I'm thinking, like, the level of arrogance that person must have to think that they are right and all those five-star reviews mm. are wrong. And, like, the truth is, that, like, you know, it, it is it is what it is to everybody else. But when when, like, when somebody comes out with that, and, and what I will say, what I've learned about reviews, a lot of my friends are involved in music and writing and, you know, like creative art. And I've learned this myself as well, as. Like now, I just really don't let it bother. It, it really genuinely doesn't bother me now. But when I first, like, for my first books came out, I was, you know, I did get upset when I saw, um, you know, like a one-star review that kind of eviscerated something that I'd worked hard on. And I, and it, but it was, um, I remember something my friends in music said, which is if you ever look into these people, which is not hard to do, because usually there's a username mm-hmm. that they have across all platforms. And you look into them, and like, let's say for, you know, for my friends at DJs the person trying to rip into them would be a bedroom DJ who's never made it big. So they're ripping somebody that's making a career out of it. And it's the same in writing. Like if, the, like if anybody ever really rips into me, like on my early books, I'd look into them and I'd see that they were trying to, they, they were trying to be a writer and they couldn't. And so they're not actually having a go at you. They're having a go. So I'm sure it's probably the same with people with a podcast, the people that are really being critical of a podcast they probably want to do a podcast, but they're coming up with a list of reasons why they can't do it instead of just facing the truth that they're fucking lazy. You know, And Uh, and
1: it makes them feel
0: better. Exactly. You're better better off slagging somebody else. I've seen it in the military with people getting awards and other people slagging them off, you know, people getting into the SAS and other people slagging them off because it's, they've done something that they, the person hasn't had the, the, the guts to go and do, or, you know, it's, and it's um, it's something that everybody in a creative industry or probably any industry will have to go through at some point is coming through the other side of um, negative reviews. Because uh, the truth is you're never as good as they say that you are and you're never as bad as they say you are, right? Um, I can't remember who said that, but it's a great fucking quote. Um, and I, I heard recently on a podcast that someone was saying that Kevin Durant, who's that fantastic basketball player, has fake accounts which he uses to defend himself on Twitter. And I, that made me feel really, really sad for the guy because I'm thinking, like, dude, like your fucking work speaks for itself, you know? And I felt really bad for this guy that he's, like, one mm. of the best, pro- uh, maybe right now, arguably, the best basketball player in the world. And he's having to feed and he's so insecure that he feels the need to have to defend himself against people who have done nothing, you know? They've done nothing,
1: I did, I did say that. Yeah, it's you have to wonder. You know, it's like you have to kind of leave all that behind sometimes to hit that level. You know, like of max of a like amazing ability. But you think we never lose that worry of like, is that person's that troll's no, I, comments I think, is that you, right? I think you can lose and that. dude. You know, like, I think
0: that's something that you will eventually lose on your path. I, I, I feel like I've, I've kind of got out of that now, and I, I think talking to other friends and you know that I think it's something that you can get out of I think that like like anything it's if you're having a really bad week that might creep up you know but I I think in general it's something like I think it's a muscle like anything else you can train it you can train resilience in that area because you have to just have that thought process of every time you if you ever see something like that you just have to ask yourself the question who is it that's criticizing me right now? Like, what is their, um, what you know, what is their expertise in, in criticizing me? Like, Joe Rogan said this great thing once, which is stuck with me, which is, you know, like uh, Michael Jordan is not fucking Michael Jordan's not sitting there writing YouTube comments, right? And I thought that that's a great fucking way of thinking about it. So if I come across a comment, and, and I just think like, or someone sends some, if I get a message or something like that, I'm thinking who's sending me this message right now? Who is this person? Is this somebody that I aspire to be like? And if I don't aspire to be like them, then why do I give a fuck? And the the answer is usually you don't.
1: That's very true. And it's most of the time, it's people who, again, it's probably they don't know what to do with themselves. They have no kind of outlet for what's nagging at them and that's why i think a lot of guys hit the drink and drugs because they can feel that there is more to life and they can feel that urge you know something deep down like for me i knew it was a podcast like i knew it was something i needed there was more to life so that's why i wanted to go away and found it and by chatting to people but for some people it's they become a painter but for some people they don't know and they sit and do a boring job and they sit and just hit the drink, you know, because every weekend, because it's easier than having to really feel that pain and think, what is it I want from life? And it, it, it's really sad. It's, you know, and this is why I think it's great that we do have like things like the military, like podcasts, that people can go and create their own stuff. But it's sad that some guys would rather knock people down, you know, like the crab and mentality. Yeah. They'd rather pull each other back into the bucket rather than try to find a way getting out the bucket themselves. And it is that's why I really admire, you know, that band of brothers you kind of get in the military. You know, it's that kind of you help each other, you pull together. I don't know, what, like, know like the modern-day military.
0: Yeah, but you, you like what I will say is that is a, a bit of a Hollywood representation of it. The
1: yeah, is, definitely.
0: The fact is in a company of, in a, in a, let's say, in a company of 130 people, there'll be people in that company who are fucking losers who everyone else has to drag through and you'll do it for them. Um, Like something like band of brothers, you know, it feels like a parachute unit. So it's like a bit more elite. So, you know, you kind of get like a bit more of a chafe. you know, you you get rid of that. But you know, like even then, dude, in in an infantry company, there's plenty of people who will um, bitch about the people who are trying to do, do more, you know, like it's just, it's just part of human nature. There's just, most people are um there's not many people who are leaders and there's a lot of people who are willing followers and then there's other people who are what the 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 kind of the toxic group is people who they don't want to be they don't want to be a follower but they're either not good enough or not willing enough to be a leader and they're the toxic group and they're the people who who will leave the fucking shitty comments and they're the people who will slag off people in the workplace because they feel like they should be in charge. They feel like they should be calling the shots, but they'll do nothing about making that happen, you know, but they'll feel, they feel entitled to it. And it's again, you know, it's, there's, I think we see more of that now because it's always been around. It's just, you, it would have been, them and other people that felt like that would have been congregating together and talking with each other. Let's say my granddad worked in the fucking steelworks, right? There would have been people like that at the steelworks, but they would have been in their little sour face group talking with each other, and you wouldn't have really seen it unless you happened to overhear something. you know. But now you see it because it's a comet. They have access mm-hmm. to do it. And, and I think I've tried to like flip my way of thinking on this instead of to get angry at them, is I just feel fucking sorry for them. So I'm thinking like you're one day you're going to be like li- lying in your fucking bed in hospital with a bag full of shit attached to you and you're going to look back on your life and you're going to think, what did I do with my life? I spent it slagging other people off in comment sections. I mean, what a fucking waste. So I feel I feel so- fucking sorry for that person. I also think that they have a responsibility for getting their own shit together. And um, I'm definitely a, I'll give people a hand up, but I'm not giving them a hand out kind of. Person, you know,
1: I definitely
0: love that. So, how, um, but, um, but, yeah, but so I was just going to say, yeah, but yeah, like I think that anyone is listening that's get that feels that just fucking feel sorry for these people because they're fucking losers, you know. And they, it's definitely not worth taking what they feel to heart because you know they are they're li- they're literally a lo- they the definition of being a fucking loser.
1: So, how would you create, like, you know, like? A- the, the guys that you do like you mentioned, I can't remember was it before we started or just after, but you know the ones that you go and you sit and like, you can go for a drink with and they're like brothers from another mother kind of thing. you know you can sit and give each other hugs, but each one of them has killed each one of them has fought together and bled for each other and all that you know but how do you build that camaraderie if you're not got the military option? Like, how can we create that in civil civilian world? Is it?
0: I'd say probably go out and kill some go go out and kill some hookers together, <laughs> a
1: DTA style. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, right. So, I think one one a clear answer is sports teams. Like, and not everyone wants contact sports. For me, contact it's contact sports is just you know it's just the fucking shit. Like, I like sports where people get hit. Um, but I just think some kind of sport, some kind of, in, some kind of, um, discomfort that you share with each other, that could be, that could be walking up, um, that could be walking up Ben Nevis in the fucking rain and the, and the sleet. It doesn't need to be a ball game or anything like that, you know, but something where you are going through a shared experience with some hardship and there's so many ways of doing that. Um, and I, I and, and, doing it on a regular basis basically. And I, I, think that's, it's, I think that's pretty simple. And then the other thing as well is, is, um, get what you have to remember. Uh, like I, I, love thinking the best of people, but the truth is that not everyone is, not everyone is out to make the most out of life. They're really not. And you need to understand that and shed the people who out. Um, and like, if you can't shed them, then you just need to put them on a side. Where you you can still be friends or whatever like that, but they are not the people that you aim to spend time with. So if you end up spending time with them, then you know because they're family or whatever like that, then that's fine. But you don't aim to spend your time with them. You should aim to spend your time with people who are in um, whatever field that they're in that they want to be. They want to be, you know, great at what they're doing, or they want to get the most out of it. Like so, some people, for instance, you know, I know people who are really into running now because of their physical attributes and stuff they're never going to win the fucking london marathon but they're going to go and run the motherfucker every year and they're going to give it their best those are the people that you want in your life in your circle and if you have a group of people like that and if you you know you go through some shared experiences together and if you um you know you motivate each other and push each other to be successful you know that is that that is what i think um you know that that's taking like some of the best things that you get from you know in the military. Like in the military, you know, I I sought out the people who were the best. You know, I wanted to, I wanted to be friends with the best soldiers in the company. You know, I wanted to be friends with those. Like when I left the army, my you know I, when I when I left the army, you know, I joined the gym and the people that I started hanging out with there were a professional rugby team. You know, I put myself in positions to be around people who are elite at what they do and it doesn't need to be the same field in fact i think it's beneficial that you're not always in the same field um because you know there's a you you can learn a lot from people who are doing different skills than you but yeah you've just got to fucking find things that are hard and that can be like i i do think that a combine you need a combination of things in your life that are physically hard and uh, mentally hard
1: so how does your you know, like, because when you first start in the army and you're getting trained to kill and, you know, take lives and things like that, but does your opinion of, like, the enemy, like the guys that you're fighting against, did that change with your sort of service away? You know, did the bond between you guys become stronger and it uh, create against the guys you were fighting against? Or did you start to understand it as you learn more about the culture and the, their traditions and their view?
0: Yes, yeah, so from my perspective, for my group, we were just professional soldiers. So we were professional soldiers and whoever, whichever enemy you put in front of us, it could have been whoever, we would have fought them because we were professional soldiers. Um, none of us, I don't think in particular, really had much against the enemy that we were fighting. Doesn't mean we liked them, but we didn't really hate them. You would, you would find a lot more hatred towards our superiors um, in the upper echelons of the army. And in politics, than you would ever, you would, you would hear us the, the hatred that we have towards politicians and the upper echelons of the army, you know, kind of like brigadier level and above is a lot like, so basically your generals and the ones that plan strategy, our hatred of them is a lot stronger than that of the, uh, than that we had towards the enemy. And in that, yes, that probably is something that is a unifying and bonding you know, force because it's like, you know, we had a common enemy, but we had the common enemy in two places. There was the enemy that was trying to kill us, and then there's what we felt the enemy was trying to get us killed, if that makes sense.
1: Because I, I went to see um, Aunt Middleton's stage show recently, um, Mind, Over, Mind Over Muscle, and he was talking about how I think they were called Rupert's because nearly all the officers were called Rupert, but it kind of just like a nickname for them. And they kind of used that as a bonding, you know, like. The soldiers kind of used them as a, a point of ridicule, a point of hatred, to, as a kind of focal point, and it was kind of it kind of hit home. It's like we do that, in all sorts of like you know work like we do that with, like our bosses, we do that with the the PTs in the gym. Like if you're in a group class, and maybe in jiu-jitsu, you do it with the upper belts where you're trying to become you know go up the ranks and stuff like that. So it's it's quite interesting to see how. It, it still happens all through life and that.
0: It, it, it is, but what, what, what I would say on the flip side of that is you have to remember that, you know, there are those officers who might be a unifying point of hatred, but there's also the ones who are a unifying point of love and respect and admiration. Mm. You know, you mentioned earlier uh, Band of Brothers, right? Is there a more perfect example of a fantastic leader than Captain, uh, sorry, Major Dick Winters? Well, that's
1: the guy. You know,
0: mentioned. his men... Yeah, exactly. So that is a unifying factor. before him, the I forget his name now. Um, there was the 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 uh, the guy played by um, you know Ross from Friends. You know, he was the total opposite. Yeah. So they're going to unify. They're going to unify in one way or the other. It's either going to unify in hatred or it's going to unify in um, respect and determination. When you've got an officer, when you've got a leader, who you know, you do want to work like who you do respect and who you do think is, is is a fucking professional and a great fucking soldier. There's no better feeling than knowing that you're like lined up behind that person and you want to go out and work for that person. On the opposite, hand you know, on, on the other hand, when you've got someone that you feel is incompetent and bumbling, you you want to do everything you can to kind of fuck fuck them up.
1: Now let's take a break here and I just want to give you a quick shout out about my affiliates I've got set up. I've set up some awesome deals with some amazing companies. If you go to www.nextlevelguy.com forward slash affiliates, that's www.nextlevelguy.com forward slash A-F-F-I-L-I I L I. A-T-E-S or if you click on affiliate deals in the blue ribbon at the top of the website homepage you can go straight there and then join my affiliate wonderland. There's so many special offers here, there's listener exclusive deals discount codes and so much more there really is something here for everyone it doesn't matter if you're buying for yourself a special occasion or for somebody like a birthday, Christmas or if you want to get jiggy with your special partner you can find out whatever you need here there's a lot of inspiring companies, some interesting products, and some stuff that will blow you away. There's companies for like Onnit, Amazon, May Andes, Barbell El Paro, Dollar Shave Club. There's companies that help you with dating, with sporting equipment, with tactical gear, outdoor equipment, gadgets, and so much more. I particularly love them um, from Onnit. They do a cognitive enhancer, which is known as Alpha Brain. I use Amazon to buy like my jujitsu tape. I get, um, all my t shirts from Under Armour. They do an amazing, um, special t shirt that keeps you hot when you need to be hot and it keeps you cold when you need to be cold. It's like a thermal in a t shirt. Um, Dollar Shave Club have some amazing deals just now on subscription packs for new beginners. Um, there's sporting equipment there for mouth guards. There's tactical gear there for going camping. There's outdoor equipment. There's gadgets. If you need it, it's there. And stuff that you didn't even know you need is there. There's some X rated stuff there. And there's also some um, companies that you can work with to improve pickup. There's companies there that you can work with to get better as a musician. There's companies there that can help you to read more books. There's so much more there. There's something there for everybody. Please note, I do not receive any information on you or your purchases. All I receive is a small commission from the business as a thank you for sending you to shop with them. They monitor this through the links. They don't monitor anything else about what you purchase. This doesn't affect the price you pay, but it helps me to develop and expand the podcast. I'm extremely thankful for you to take the time to spend your money via my links and for listening to this show. You're helping me, me to make this podcast better by allowing me to use the monies I get in commissions to make the site bigger and better, to evolve it, and to keep going and getting better and better guests and producing better better quality, such as the mics and that I use. If you're on the site, you can go into the show notes and click on the graphic, and I'll take you straight there. Yeah. Click on the affiliates deal in the blue ribbon at the top of the page, or if you're listening to this and want to check out... the the deals, go to www.nextlevelguy.com forward slash affiliates. I really appreciate you listening to this Waffle Each episode, and now let's get back to the interview. Cheers. Because I still love that line in there when he says to David Swimmer's character, or the guy from, whatever his name is from Ross, um, when he says, you salute the you salute the rank, not the person. And I just thought that was great. It was like a portrayal of like how you know, you had that guy who was taking his own personal hatred about the guy getting higher up than him out on him rather than following and rugs. You know, it kind of showed how petty he was rather than being professional. And it really kind of stuck home and it helped me see...
0: There's a lot of... But then there's there is people like Dick Winters out there too. You know, there's a great there's great. And that's the
1: great thing about it is it. But it's good to see, not good, but it's it's helpful to see that it's not just your work, it's not just your friends. These kind of things, you know, there's always going to be dickheads and there's always going to be great people. You just don't need to put up with them in the in the environment. You know, you can gravitate towards the better people, the pushy and things like that. But how did you find leaving the army i mean did you did you struggle with like coming back into civilian life and find it boring did you find it difficult to kind of appease yourself
0: yeah so you gotta remember when i came back from afghanistan there was a period in time where i was i was still in the army but not on operations so that was that was quite boring You know, but so I, I, you know, you can still be in the army and have a boring time. If you're not on operations, I found it quite boring, you know, because most of the time you're not on operations. Um, When I first left the army, like I mentioned, I was very lucky that the gym I started working at as a personal trainer, there was a professional rugby team using that place. So I instantly had a new brotherhood and a new group of lads. Like I said, rugby teams very similar to like squaddies. And we would be, you know, we'd go out a lot. We'd work out a lot you know it was so I, I i had a very successful transition at first because i went into and it's only like with hindsight that i can see this but that period was really good because it was you know I, I basically it was i was like a civilian but i was still i was a civilian but i still had like a lot of the best things about the army going with this rugby team but then um the gym shut down the rugby team um the rugby team was kind of disbanded um both like separate you know both in separate incidents and all of a sudden then I was kind of, I was on my own and I wasn't, I didn't have that group around me anymore. Um, and I started to, I started to drift and I started to, I started to kind of like struggle with those questions of, I felt like all my life that I was supposed to be a soldier. I'm now 20, what was I like 28 years old. I'm like, well, hang on, what do I do for the rest of my life now? Like I was. I definitely felt like I'd been put on earth to be a soldier. And I thought, that's it I'm never going to be going back to combat again I'm never going to be back in those kind of those adrenaline high situations I'm never going to be riding into you know I'm never going to be riding into Basra in Iraq at the head of you know dozens of armored vehicles with Apaches flying overhead and all that That stuff's never going to happen again and I started thinking like what the fuck is the point like if I've hit if I've hit the high points of my life and this is something that like um a lot of athletes talk about as well is, you know, this, it's, you know, you, you're very young and you most, you know, most people, they, get, they come out, they come out of education, they go into a job and they, you know, they just kind of go through the motions of that through the rest of their life. And some people never feel like they found purpose, which has got to be horrible. But I, I knew what my purpose was without a doubt. I was supposed to be a soldier. I was supposed to be a soldier in combat. And then I came out of that knowing that I'm never going to get to do that again. And knowing at 28 years old to know that you don't get to go to do the, to do your purpose again, that is like that was like kind of like a, a shattering moment for me. So I'm like, fuck me, I might have 50 years left of my life, and what's the point of it?
1: So how so did you cope with it? You
0: know, uh, drugs <laughs> <laughs> and drinking. So yeah, I was just, um, I just just uh, did like a little, I did what a lot of people do when they are when they're lost and just to, you know I, I didn't realize at the time just how depressed I was and you know there was there's of like some of that was mental some of it was like you know physical and I think you know looking back on it now just being torn away from my kind of you know voluntarily voluntarily torn away but I you know I'd gone from being in this kind of group this like you know if you again like use the ape analogy like I've been I've been in this like troop of monkeys or whatever and now all of a sudden I'm on my own. Um, and everything, just everything. It was like my whole world just did a 180 and I didn't like it. And I think the thing with me with drinking and drugs is I always knew it was a bad decision, but I just didn't care because I literally got to the point of I didn't care if I died. I just didn't care. And like sometimes I'd kind of go through like a binge and I'd, re- I'd come out the other side of it and I'd be really disappointed that I was still alive because I just I just had enough. I was like, this is... I'm done, I'm done with this. Life is over now. What is the fucking point? Just get me out of it. Um, and, you know, I, I had that for like a couple of years.
1: And, I mean, do you – are you able to move past that at all? Or is it always there? Is it always kind of at the back of your mind? And, you know, because, like, I, I suffered with depression when I was younger. And it's, it's that moment of always keeping busy. Just you're never quite sure if it's there. But, I mean, do you find you've kind of – Accepted that part of your life is finished, and now you're moving on to something else, or do you still struggle with it? You
0: no, know, I've accepted that I'll never accept it, if that mm-hmm. makes sense, and that has given me some peace. um I've accepted that I will never. I don't think I ever will hit highs like I had then. I just don't. I mean, I've had fucking best. I've had best-selling books. I've done a lot of traveling in the world. No, nothing has come close to being in combat. Nothing, um, and I've kind of accepted that that's just going to be how it is. So it doesn't, but it doesn't mean that I can't still have a great life. Mm-hmm. You it, know, that was going to be my next like question. Those, those yeah, so I can have, I can have, I can still have great friends. Like I'm very lucky. Like I said about that reunion last weekend, I've got this group of guys there who, you know, like a lot of people in life maybe don't even know if they can call on somebody on an emergency. I've got a group of friends who I know literally would have died for me. And I have no reason to believe that they wouldn't do now. But they've actually proven that they would die for me. Um, I also have a good family, you know, a great family. I've got good I've got good civilian friends too, don't get me wrong. And, and I think one of the the things about... I don't want people to think that I just have military friends because the thing about my civilian friends is... I judge them by the standards I judge my military friends. But if they meet those standards, and a lot of civilians do, then they're in too, you know? So I have a great group of friends. Um, but, yeah, I've just accepted the fact of, like, those days are behind me. They're not coming back. And I think that's something that's, uh, that's helping with age is, like, now I'm, like, say, past the army's, like the Army age. It's not. It's not even an option that if there was an Afghanistan going on now, I couldn't go back to it anyway. But that that option's out of my hands. Um, And and I think that's helped me. Kind of, like I said, I'm not accept. Like I, I, this might fucking sound crazy to people, but I have dreams about. I don't have nightmares about Iraq and Afghanistan. I have dreams about them. And when I wake up and I realize that it's not. that it's not real. Sometimes I'll actually wake up in tears because I thought I was back there and I wake up and I'm not. And that can be so upsetting to me that it actually I, – and, I, and it's not that I wake up and then I start crying. I actually wake up in tears. I think I must realize as I'm waking up that it's not real. Um, and put it this way, like not, not – not, it, it upsets me more than any breakup or anything like that. Like my breakup from combat in the army is more upsetting than any breakup with a woman.
1: No, that makes perfect um, sense.
0: It's um, yeah, and it, and it's because thing is, if you break up with a with a woman, no matter how much you loved her, there's always that possibility that you're going to meet another person. Well, that's not happening now with the military. It's on a, it's 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 more like it's more like getting over the death of someone. It's you know, which is unfortunately something that you know if if you've been in the army and infantry in the last twenty years that you've had something that you've had to have, have to have done, and it's almost like that going through grief and knowing that you're never going to get to see that person again. So you try and just think like, I'll just try and be happy for the good times that we had. And sometimes you can do that. And sometimes you can't, you know, sometimes you have bad days.
1: Cause I mean, I, from a personal point of view, like I've only had one probably relationship who I could have seen myself getting married and all that kind of stuff. And it still has probably fucked me up now thinking years ago. And you know, like, every time I'm I'm always using her as a benchmark for other people, probably still in love with her, all this kind of stuff. And now when I I can completely get where you're coming from, obviously it's nothing on the scale of it, but I mean it's it's I think we've all got that one person or that one event or one life that we would all jump back to. And it's do you I mean is it the way that the army is is there a kind of assistance when you leave the army or are you just kind of left on your own devices once you leave? You know, is there a kind of withdrawal and sort of services that they provide or is it just here?
0: Yeah, overall it's, it's a very, I, I think it's a very bad transition package that you get. I mean, they spend years turning you into a soldier. They spend fucking days turning you into a civilian, you know, but the thing is no matter how much work they could do on you, they're not going to replace. Again, it's not repl- it's not something that's replaceable. So I do think the British Army has a lot of work to do on preparing people to be civilians. Mm-hmm. Um, but That's more teaching people how to do their council tax and taxes and stuff like that. That's the stuff that I think the army can really help with. I just don't think there's there's that much that they can do to help you with. Um, you know, the other stuff is re- you know finding some kind of replacement to what you've been doing. I think a lot of it. You know, and I, I am a critic of the armies. I do think they need to do more, but I am the first person to say that you have responsibility yourself. To you know, to 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 kind of make that transition to civilian life. You know, but it's it's awesome at the moment. Like I'm really, I just saw a, a tweet yesterday from like this. He's basically the highest enlisted person. So like you know, this he's your tough, he's your typical tough sergeant major, but he's responsible for the entire army, not just one kind of unit. Uh, And he's advocating meditation, you know, and to sort to to serving soldiers. And I think that's fucking brilliant. And there's there's guys like him who are out there trying to kind of like get people more mentally resilient and trying to open them up to new ways of thinking. And I think that's really cool. Um, But yeah, there's just it's just like I said, you just got to accept the fact that like there don't get me wrong, there are some people who will go on and do things like. you know, there's a, a a Gurkha SBS guy out there now uh, who's doing something like I think he's 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 climbing thirteen eight thousand meter peaks in three yeah. months or something like that. You know, there's there's guys, yeah, there's guys out like him. Um, Nims there, I think his name. I'm taking him on the, the podcast um, too. They, they, uh, project Project Possible is, is is this thing? You know, there's there's guys out him out there like I'm working with a guy Dean uh, Dean Stop Dean Dean is an SB, ex SBS guy too who. Um, You know, he got out, he did private work for a while. Um, You should definitely have him on a guest. He's fucking amazing, bloke. And he just casually just went, Oh, you know what? I'm going to beat the record for cycling the Pan American Highway. um, You know, which he he did like knock 20 days off the time. He'd never cycled six months before. Um, You know, like, so there are these guys out there who do go on and do it. Um, You know, just, you know, so I can only speak for myself. I just know that there's not going to be anything for me that's going to replace that thrill of combat with a bunch of armored vehicles apaches artillery and what it's just you know as much as i enjoy writing it's not on that same fucking level <laughs>
1: because <laughs> we've got a guy I and mean, my normal job if you want to call it that is i like i work in a university and then i look after phd students and um, one of the guys i look after and he's just started his own uh, like well he's changed his phd project and one of it is going to be looking at how the army like because he used to serve himself and he's got like army connections and things like that he's going to be looking at like how the army change to um, civilian life mimics the you know like and we can use the university values that we have and like the ethics and stuff like that and he's looking at how soldiers come in out and how we can help them and put a package in place that really does help that transition and it was really scary that that was really the first kind of proper like somebody had done that before to kind of look at that
0: oh dude it's nuts like the lack of the lack of, you know, work, like, the, somebody should be leaving the army and not know what APR on a credit card is and stuff, like, because the thing is when you're in the army, a lot of stuff is taken care of you, you know, you've got a roof over your head, you've got your food, you know, like, all this stuff is like, you get, you know, it's deducted from your pay, but you don't have to worry about it, your pay's taking care of you, your taxes is taken care of, you, care of you, you're told where to be, what time, where, and what things, um, and like that, that is like people see people see veterans living on the streets, and they think it's because they've seen terrible things. But I think most of the time it's because they never got taught how to manage money. They never got taught how to manage themselves because they they just had to follow orders basically. And when you know you come out and you have a couple of bad months, and you might get make make some bad financial decisions, maybe have, maybe have a messy breakup, and before you know it, as a man especially. As a man, you know, you're the lowest of the fucking low when it comes to getting any kind of assistance. Um, And you're out on the streets. And once you're out on the street, getting off the street, is so fucking hard for Hmm. people. And and that's why there's so many veterans on the streets is because, like, dude, I I, I struggle now. Like, I'm a fucking university graduate. You know, so in theory, I should be good with things like paperwork. I'm still, years after being out of the military, I'm still struggling to get my head around things like taxes and stuff like that. Now, when it comes to... You know, if you want a fucking section attack doing it on enemy position, I'm your fucking man. I can remember that. I can remember I haven't touched an SA eighty, which is like the British Army's rifle. I haven't touched one over ten years. You pass me one now, I will do all my drills on that seamlessly. Because it's ingrained on me. It's ingrained in me. But when I left, I didn't know what I didn't know what APR on a credit card was. And like part of that is personal responsibility. But at the same time, you don't know to look for things until you know. So when I was like, oh shit, why am I in debt? Right, now I, I'll look into it. It's too late by that point. You know, there should be things in the army where they're like, you know, there's, there's no reason when you've got everybody in there, you're living in camp together, to not sit everyone down and be like, right, we're going to fucking do some basic, we're going to teach you some basic finances or have, or at least they'll let you know about these things. If you want to follow it, it's, that's up to you, but we're going to give you the knowledge that if you do want to, you know, if you do want to learn more and be more financially responsible, then you can. And I think that that and, and I, I would take that further as well as I think that it's almost criminal that in our school system we don't have people getting taught these basics about your council taxes, water no. bills, all this stuff. Like it is it's mental to me that we don't have that. Uh first aid is another one. Like I can't understand why we don't have um first aid taught to people at, at teen at teen age at the very least. I, I just can't get my head
1: around that. I mean, if you come out like at school and you can talk about depreciation of like a company asset, but you can't even like write a letter to somebody, or you don't know how to phone somebody, and you know how to ask them for a set of advice or how to fill in a credit card form, or something. You know, it, I completely agree. Yeah, it is scandalous, and if you think like that would be the perfect opportunity is when you've got all these young guys is to kind of give them the skills, like the hard and the soft skills in between the the, the killing and the discipline and all that kind of stuff. They should be something in there. I mean, it's like I think they've only recently started doing it at professional football clubs because so many guys were getting put out after training for years and years, having no other kind of skills, leaving school, and you know, 10, 5, 8 years into it, suddenly realizing they weren't good enough to be superstars but it had no skills. In addition to that, I know it's not. I,
0: I, I, yeah, the, the, no, the football one is is, is scandalous, really, because the percentage of people that get through from football academies into uh, actual professional sports is tiny. But they put all their eggs in that basket. Um, and and, it, and here's the other thing as well on that is that because you know, like, I don't think that that's a good idea putting your eggs in one basket. But the chances are, if you don't put all your eggs in one basket, you probably won't make it. If you're not, if you don't have that singular focus, you probably won't make it. So it's, but you know, that's a very tough one is if you're asking a 16 year old kid from a council estate, you know, right. Hey, you know, I know you want to, I know you think you're going to play football one day professionally, but maybe you should pay attention to your school studies. They're going to be like, no, I'm going to be a professional footballer. And then they, and they don't. And, um, I, I can't remember what the stats is, but I, I know it's like, it's. I think we're talking like 1% or less actually making professional. But then to think we're... Don't, don't put me on that, but I, I'm pretty sure it was as, as, as low as that. And, the, and that, that's the same in the NFL... You know, with college football players and you know all that kind of stuff.
1: I know the the NFL are starting apparently to bring something like like that into it because of the the transition is just scary. You know, like the amount that I actually do go off and become successful rather than just sort of college level or like you know the ones who want, who go to try to become and who actually become superstars, it's like zero point zero zero one percent or something ridiculous. It's is awful, but I mean it's yeah. I just think it's scary that there's been more talk about the you know, potential footballers and their skills than guys that we've t- taken around the world and taught to shoot people and hurt people or, you know, like to to go in on these missions and like change other societies and all that. And then we're kind of like, we're carrying more about a guy kicking a bit of leather around than somebody that we've turned into a killer and left.
0: Yeah. I mean, to be fair that- To be fair to those clubs, though, it's probably the clubs doing it rather than it coming from the taxpayer. And this is the 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 crunch of the matter: is that to um, anything involved in the military comes from taxes. And people talk a good game about wanting to support the military more, but like when it comes down to it, do they want to pay more taxes to do that? I would say most people are not willing to do that, and that's just that's the that's the bottom line about it. And that's why that's why so much of the support has to come from other veterans. Um, or you know just people who are pe- people who f- feel like uh, th- that they have some kind of obligation or duty or want to do it. but it's it's not going to come from the country because that means more taxes and people just aren't willing to pay that like you know people will talk a talk a good game but when it comes to opening the wallet, it's just not going to happen
1: because they always say that into, is uh, don't look at what somebody's saying, look at their actions to, to, to really to, you know what's important to them and it's like you're saying is people will say it. So when it comes to actually giving it or doing it, you know, it's like you ask somebody to, well, you know, could you volunteer and help somebody? Oh, well, oh no, no, no I couldn't do that, because it actually means saying it makes them feel better, like they're actually doing something, but when they actually get asked to do something nah, most people don't want to
0: I, I heard that the actual the, the dopamine effect that you get from saying you're going to do something is is, is as high, if not the same, as the if, if you actually do it, oh, right so like let's say somebody says like oh, i'm going to do a 10k run and that makes them feel so good about themselves saying it that that's why a lot of people don't always follow through because they got such a rush from telling people about that 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 is actually almost as satisfying as they're actually doing the thing itself
1: because a number of times i've heard mates talk about them they're going to do this or are going to do that and you just know fine well they're not even going to bother but
0: but they're getting but they're getting a dopamine hit every time they say that they're getting a they're getting like a they are getting like a, a, a hit that's making them feel good about that. That's why they're saying they're not saying it to just be So they're saying it because they're getting this hit it's like a hit every time.
1: So you came when you came out of the army, you know, you've you've done some amazing books, you've you've got amazing feedback and you know it, it's it was kind of amazing to me that you know you weren't getting that kind of a the high that you had from the mill deal but I can obviously understand from the experiences but do you find like your writing was it therapeutic did it allow you to kind of deal with that side of your life did it allow you to sort of put it into writing the thoughts and the emotions and kind of help you understand it and deal with it?
0: Um, I mean the Afghanistan book brothers in arms did like the other books are more, you know, this, they entertain me, they give me something to do. Um, and I, you know, I enjoy doing them. Um, so they're you know, like I think there's a lot to be said for just doing a day mm-hmm. job that you enjoy, you know, I mean that is therapeutic in itself, right. Uh, brothers in arms, certainly I put, you know, that's the stuff where I've just kind of been brutally honest in there and I've talked about the highs and the lows. Um, therapeutic yes is also probably there's probably been some um definitely like in the like there's sometimes you bring things up and it you know it kind of has a short-term negative effect um reading the audiobook reading the audiobook hit me a lot harder than i thought it would do um that kind of sent me like into a, like about a week of depression um because like turns out the reading reading the, the words are different than just seeing them on a screen
1: um so how did you deal with that kind of thing you know do you oh i
0: just went and got drunk for a week i didn't deal with it very well (laughs) um i I dealt with it very badly um but on the plus side is like once i was kind of like a few days into it like i kind of just realized that like i was like you're just drinking because it it, it actually it was a it coincided with um a visit some of my friends were visiting the uk so there was like a legitimate reason to go out and nobody like and, and i had a very good time when i was with them but then when everybody else went to go back to their hotel, I just kept drinking the hotel on my own. Like, which nobody knew about until I told them. Um so I knew that. But it was just like, um but it was just like, yeah, I was got a couple of days into it and I was like, you know what you're doing, don't you? And I was like, Yeah, I was like, you know you need to stop this, don't you? It was like, yeah. I was like, well, let's just, let's just stop now. Okay. You know, so it was you know, it was one of those. And it wasn't there wasn't any point where I was like, oh, I want to kill myself or any of that stuff. It was just like I was like, "Fuck me!" Is this, You know, it's just kind of one of those ones where I was like, "I was just look." At the end of the day, what I've always said is the fact is that, like, I lost, you know, I lost comrades during my time in the army, and I'm never going to be okay with that,
1: hmm.
0: and I wouldn't want to ever be okay with that. There's going to be times in my life where it's going to fucking bum me out, you know, and that's just how it is. And you know, I, you'd have to be some kind of fucking psychopath to not. To, to, you know, so like when I was reading the audiobook and I'm talking about meeting their families at the, inc- uh, you know, one of the boys' inquests, because they you know there's an inquest into the deaths and that kind of thing. If you don't get, if you don't, if your emotions don't get fucking beaten up from reading out loud about the time that you had to meet the family of one of your dead comrades and, you know, see how upset they are, if that doesn't fuck with your emotions, then, That's you know, control. you, you, don't- yeah exactly so i, I so I, again i don't beat myself up about that.
1: like i went through depression you know i'm like I, I had to take tablets and i can remember the days of like it's better you know you want to just stay sleeping than the wake.
0: Up. oh yeah those days, yeah 100 i have those I, i've had that's that is uh that that sleeping one is um so like what i would say about that sleeping one so i totally understand what you're what you're having there on top of that what, I would, what I'd be dreaming about while I was sleeping would be being back in Afghanistan and stuff. So it was like I just wanted to stay sleeping. And if someone had given me a pill and said, you can just keep sleeping for the rest of your life and you'll be in these dreams where you're back in Afghanistan, I would have taken it. Now I wouldn't, but there was a time in my life I would have fucking 100%. If I knew that death was dreaming, I would, wanna, I would have taken that option. Um, I'm glad I didn't, but I would have done it at the time. But it's hard for people to understand that that thing of just wanting to sleep, isn't it? Because they just think you're being lazy, but it's not being lazy. It's just like, I don't know, it's
1: just, it's just weird. It, it's strange for somebody to, like, you know, if you're sort of saying, and it's, it's in your memories, it's in your mind, you know, that you play like an, an online cinema and somebody says to you, oh, it's just in your head. You just need to get out and exercise. You just need to get out and, you know, get some fresh air, change your habits, and you're thinking, I'm carrying around an internal prison. I need to learn how to deal with what's there. And I, I mean, I'm. Yeah. I can still remember kind of what was it a few months back? I had a dream about one of my exes that felt so real that it was probably a very watered down version of your kind of dreams. But when I remember waking up thinking I was deeply disappointed, really hurt that it wasn't real, that I hadn't seen her, I hadn't yeah. been with her, and I was like, oh, you know, it kind of just really knocked me for six and it came out of nowhere and I think that was my brain dealing with it and those were the kind of projections that my subconscious was working on or kind of trying to understand and it's yeah it's it's a really difficult one and you don't I think this is the problem is like I've tried antidepressants and I think they numb you they don't actually they don't deal with the problem as such they numb you know they numb the part of it that comes from it, like the symptoms, but they don't allow you to deal. Like, and in fact, I actually had better luck with cognitive behavior therapy. You know, like when you go and speak to somebody and learn how to deal with, like the, like yeah, I
0: Yeah, I think I think that I think that's um, that, that that stuff is. I think something that I would strongly recommend people doing the cognitive behavior thing. But I, I, I personally, I never took antidepressants. I was offered them when I got diagnosed with PTSD. But I just, I thought, I don't want something to numb me. Like I was saying, I want to mm-hmm. feel these emotions. What I want to do is find a way of fucking channeling them into a
1: positive way. See, that to me is amazing because at the time, it shows you like when I was there. I was so wrapped up in my own story and my own bullshit, like a lot of like young guys are today. And I was like, Oh, I'm hurt by this, and my ex and oh, da, da, you know, whereas I was like, I can't feel this anymore. And, oh, this you know, and there's you who actually have seen some horrific things. And you're thinking, do you know what? You know, I want to feel this. I want, to, I don't want to deal. I want to learn how to use this positively. And that's an amazing thing to be able to do. And you should be really proud of yourself for that. It's, because when I think back to my worst, I could never have done that. I, you know, I was so wrapped up in my own BS that it was amazing when I think back now it, that it feels like somebody else. But I had to deal with it rather than numb it. And I think this is the problem: is we put people on medication rather than helping them. You know, it's easier just to kind of ah, we've done something for them. And yeah, I mean,
0: it, it speaks it speaks volumes to me that when I went to see this uh, the shrink to get my and i got my ptsd diagnosis it was the first thing i got offered was antidepressants i didn't get offered exercise i didn't get offered you know some kind of team events i didn't get offered you know um like the chance to learn and gain perspective or i didn't get i didn't i didn't get this um You know, the idea of I should be in the outdoors. You know, what I got given was, here's something to numb how you're feeling. And I'm so fucking happy that I said no. Because my thing is, like, if I look about all the drugs that I took and everything like that, it was never about numbing my feelings, really. It was about I was trying to find something to replace highs. I wasn't wasn't trying to fucking numb myself. I was trying to find ways of replicating the adrenaline and the highs that I used to feel. I wanted to feel. I felt numb as it was. I wanted to feel alive, and that's what I was looking for. And I tried it through drugs, and it didn't exist there. Um, and you know, and and that's why I I you know I find it now. Like I said, I don't hit. You know, I used to hit 11s out of 10s on a daily basis. <laughs> really funny my amazon prime guys just turned up and he's literally got boxes past the top of his head <laughs> I, I may have a problem i may this i may have a, i may have a new coping mechanism um and um yeah it's so it was just one of these things of like i knew that you know that that didn't work for me and like and now i i don't get my 11 out of 10 days but i have a constant kind of seven eight tens you know seven eight and the occasional ones where i go and If I go and see a friend at a music festival or something like that, that will kind of elevate it. But, um, yeah, I I just thought, like, what they wanted to do was give me a fucking pill that took me down to a five out of ten for the rest of my life. And I don't fucking want that.
1: I think uh, I remember when my mom said that to me, because when I was on them last and I said to her, like, I want to come off them, but I think I hadn't replaced whatever it was yeah, I like to come off of antidepressants, but I haven't put anything else in place. And she said, you know, I was like complaining about how I didn't like being controlled by anything. Yeah. And she was like, but we all are, you know, there's either online gambling, online shopping, it's people drinking, it's people, it's people yeah people, you know, everybody's got something that kind of controls them or it's like a, and that may be a bit of a bad habit. But I think that's the thing is, we all assume that our ones are the worst and we have to stop now and do it, which sometimes it's just a way of getting through the day. not it's... it's anyone
0: that's not addicted to something. It's just a case of finding mm-hmm. stuff that's, like, look, I'm sure you're the same way with the jitsu stuff. If I don't get to go to the gym, I get fucking pissed off. And that's not a healthy thing. Like, it's a healthy thing to want to go to the gym, but it's not a healthy thing to be sitting with, say, my family at a party for a, a niece and be like, fuck me. I can't believe i didn't get to go to the fucking gym you know that's not healthy yeah um and you know that but that is but that addiction to the gym is a lot healthier than other things you know same with work um i set myself a bar if i want to write three books a year if i don't write three books a year i'm fucking pissed off um i should probably just be happy that i've written two, but i'm not like so i have an addiction to that kind of a thing like if this book right now, if this book doesn't make bestseller list, as much as I've told myself that that doesn't matter, it's still probably going to, it's, it's going to get to me a bit, even as much as I will try and not let it, you know. So we all have addictions, It's okay, but it's a case of trying to channel, you know, trying to channel it into more, to healthier addictions.
1: No, I mean, I, I love the way like that you put that, because it's fine to be annoyed that you didn't get to the gym, but I mean, it's like you're saying, when it takes over your life like that, that's when you worry, and you know I've got friends who talk about jujitsu, live jujitsu, train at the jujitsu gym. Then they'll be going home and they'll be YouTubing jujitsu videos, and yeah. you know they'll be posting about it on the WhatsApp group and all that. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, like to me it's a hobby. I might compete later on, might not. Um, at the end of the day, I started when I was 36, and I'm still beating guys that are 16, 18, 23, 25, you know, all these guys coming in with six packs. I lost a heap of weight. I made a heap of good friends from it, but it's the mental side of it for me. It's it's a hobby that I want. I get a lot from it. I lose the bullshit 9,000 obsessive thoughts in my head. It keeps me calm. It keeps me kind of controlled, and you know, maybe that it would work perfect for you. Maybe it's something that you should look into, because
0: yeah, it's def- definitely something I want. Definitely something I want to pick up just for that kind of like that clarity of. I
1: know. sometimes think maybe that's something that all kind of guys like vets should get free entry into. You know, is it something like that where? it's the closest thing they can get you know like that physicality the bond of brothers The um i actually sound like an advert for jiu-jitsu schools just now like but you know what i mean it's like it that was the thing that helped me but i had to find that on my own and that's kind of re- the reason i started the podcast was i knew that there was more to just sitting in a pub i felt so bad. Like, like I felt like a fake sitting in the bar, pretending I like being out in the bar, chatting the guys and all that. You know, oh, when all I wanted to do was go home and be on the internet and creating a website and playing with this, working with animals, and then chatting to guys. And I was never into things enough to take over my life, but I liked enough to kind of go. Do you know what? I'm gonna go in find out more about that and then I find out a bit, a bit about that and then I realized a lot of other guys were like that and that's where the podcast came from yeah, well, I, and I think that's great sorry and I was just gonna say I think that's great that you're doing your own podcast because it gives you a chance to let that creative side of you out you know and kind of like the books and talk about these things you know do you feel like you've like kind of evolved and kind of has it eased since you've started that kind of side of things?
0: Yeah, well, just one thing I say about the sitting in the bar and stuff is, I I love sitting in the fucking bar with the boys. <laughs> but I think it's, oh, yeah. it's, oh, yeah. it's, it's like you've got to have you've got to have something to talk about where you when you're there. You're like if you if all your life is in the bar is talking about the last time you sat in the bar, then you know, like I, what I love about it is you know finding out what everybody's been up to, you know, sharing some stories. Yes, reminiscing on past times, but. You know what's everybody been up to like you know like well i'm going to go out to the states in a few weeks and see some of my friends there that i haven't seen for six months and you know some of them have just passed special uh, special operations command um selection in the forces some of them are about to go to iraq some of them are uh, uh, you know doing mbas at, uh you know really good school uh, really good schools and it's, it's looking forward to hearing what everybody's up to and like what mm-hmm. their plans are and, that's like, so that, you know, that's the, the great part of it. So I mean, I'm all for, I love, I love my bro time in the bars, but you know, with it, you know, for that kind of like that catch up in the group, um, the creative side of things, like w- as far as podcasting goes is, I mean, I feel like I've got, I'm really lucky that I, I, you know, I write full time and I write for myself. Like I'll, I'll go, I do ghostwriting projects for people, but even then it's very flexible. It's on my own time. So if I have an idea, I can usually just schedule my time so that I can run with that idea. So that 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 for me, like podcasting was more about I wanted an opportunity. because I work on my own all the time, really. I wanted an opportunity, uh, something that was set in stone where I'm going to sit down and talk with somebody else about some issues that are important to kind of both of us. So you know, for me, it's I picked the. I picked a military, I picked a military one because you know, that's something it's being a, being an author and being somebody with a bit of a social media presence, people turn to me about that kind of stuff. They ask me a lot of those questions. So it just seemed like the natural choice to, to put out a podcast where I could answer people's questions about the military, answer people's questions about, um, you know, writing, that kind of thing. And, um, it's yeah. It's been. It's it's the great thing about the podcast is it's um, a brilliant excuse like for reaching out and connecting with people that you might not have done otherwise. Definitely. It sounds. A bit, it's really weird to, if you said to somebody like, "Oh, do you want to just meet for a coffee or whatever with somebody that you didn't know?" That's that seems like quite aimless. So I, I you know, I mentioned that guy who's the you know he's the head like he's the, the RSM of the army now, the chief enlisted the head enlisted guy, and I saw his tweet about meditation. And I asked him if he'd like to come on the podcast, and you know he says that he's gonna, you know, hope like he's gonna keep it in mind, and you know hopefully we'll get something done on there soon. And if I just said to him, like, all right, mate, do you want to just can I just come in your office and say hello? <laughs> that's it's probably not gonna happen. I mean, but because of, because of having the podcast, then hopefully him and I could have a conversation. I might have some interesting insights to him, but he's definitely gonna have some interesting insights to me. And I think that's that's the coolest part about the podcast is is having that. Um, you know, I'm I'm that connection. And the other thing as well, I think is, um, when you're involved in something, you, it's very easy to just kind of be dismissive of it. But the fact is that, you know, in 50 years time, there's going to be people who don't know people that were involved in Iraq and Afghanistan and those wars who Mm -hmm. want to know more about it. And I think it's really cool to have this, that there's going to basically be this library of, you know, books and podcasts that I help put out there that, because it's not just my stories, you know. I'm getting other people, in. I've got, I've had, you know, American Rangers, American Rangers on, American Marines on, you know, British, um, British military cross winners. It's that, uh, you know, we've got, we've, I've got, um, I've got Aussies lined up for the show. More Americans, more Brits, um, and uh, all different backgrounds, all different areas that they've served in, all different roles, um. And I, I think that that's, it's it's really cool to be a part of something where you can you kind of catalog in people's experiences so that like later generations as well as this one can you know kind of benefit from you know learning from it.
1: Because that's something, I mean, going back to my point about like, you know, going out with the boys and all that kind of stuff, was I realized now that they probably weren't the type of friends that I needed because now when I go out, I have guys in jiu-jitsu who will sit there and say, oh, I was listening to your podcast with so-and-so and I'm like, what? because I had I never had that kind of strong friendships, probably like really deep down connections that I do now with some of the guys there. And you know they're talking about stuff. And now that I realize that stuff that I'm interested in, they're interested in as well, that other people are as well. And I think that's what you're saying is like, you know, it's the, the ability to share with people, to get, you know, these are the kind of things that maybe people 10, 15 years won't know about. And it's good to get this stuff out. and. You know, I, I remember speaking to, was it Mark Bell? um, Like a massive powerlifter guy, multi-millionaire. And he was saying about, oh, he was really enjoying the interview I had with him because he didn't get a chance to speak about this usually because everybody just wanted to ask him about his slingshot, his gym, his X, Y, Z. You know? oh,
0: yeah, But
1: that was the kind of thing that he found was like, a lot of times he didn't get to let that side of him out, and I think that's a problem a lot of guys have. Um, you know, the fact that we haven't even really yeah. touched writing or books or anything yet. <laughs> like, you know, we've been on for almost like two hours. You know, I'm, I'm not even going to touch that. I think this is the beauty of where we said we do one on the military and the one in the books because I knew this was going to go. I find you're just so easy to talk to, and it's like you come across as somebody that it's been like a friend for years, and you know i think we went straight into it and we're chatting away about like jujitsu and all that kind of stuff and you were like that kind of guy that you just met who you just know you like you know what i mean it's some people i meet on the podcast and think oh no you know you're not, you're not like the person that you portray like they have a kind of character that they put online and i just knew you were like that kind of guy that i would just get on with like because
0: well i think I think, I think something that is, is, you can. I've met some friends in the last couple of years who've become really good friends, who, you know, have just been people who are really, because really it's like you think, fucking hell, I've known this person for three months. It's like we're texting every day. It's like, it's almost like getting in, it's like, it's almost like getting in a relationship with a chick. <laughs> you go like head over heels with them. But, it, but, it, but, it, but it, think about it though, it actually makes so much sense because it's thanks to social media and stuff now. There's almost like this. You've always, you've almost kind of someone's gone through a lot of filters ahead of time. So it's like, right? Is someone interested in personal development? Yes, check. That's a massive box. Is someone interested in physical training? Check. That's a massive box. You know, is somebody like you know somebody interested in travel? Check. Massive box. Is you know what I mean? So there's like a lot of these things already that you've already kind of like a compatibility thing. That people have already gone through. um I think as far as far as like online personalities and stuff go. I do think that there's a lot of people setting themselves up for a fall on social media where, um, because like, look at it, I look at it like this, how many people are having a fall from grace who like they were TV personalities in like say the seventies, eighties, nineties who are now stuff is coming out about them and they're having a fall from grace. People like, I can't believe that person was that way. Well, that is like, now we've got social media and everybody's connected and everybody's, everything's on people's phones. Like every night out there's, you know, is on people's phones. So I just think like you should just be if you're if you're or if you're in a creative industry um, or you know anything online, you should just be yourself because if you try and put on a personality, it is not going to last. There's going to be something that's going to come out and out you as not being that person. Mm-hmm. So I think that like so the other thing as well is it goes back to what we were talking about earlier about you know you, you're not going to please everyone. So. You know, if you're a bit rough around the edges with your language, some people won't like that. Well, that's fine. There's other people who will like that. If you, you know, if you wanna make sometimes jokes that are a bit like, you know, a bit maybe not for some people's tastes, then it will be for other people's tastes. If you wanna talk if you wanna say that you haven't got time for people who are too lazy to get off their ass and do exercise, that's gonna offend some people. Some people are gonna love it. And you just have to be true to who you are. The other thing as well is I think it's um I think something that I don't think people utilize on social media is the ability to say, Oh, you know what? I was actually wrong about something and I've learned my lesson on it, or I've changed my opinion on this thing. Um, you know, people, like I don't think people ever want to kind of admit that they're wrong. And I think something that I found on social media has been really useful to me is saying like, you know what? Like I've, I've changed my opinion on this or I don't know. yeah, I don't know the answer. You know, I People, people like Brexit. I get a lot of people messaging me about my opinions on Brexit and stuff. And I just tell them, "You, the I don't know. I don't know the answer, one way or another." Like, because this will be the first time right. we've done it. It's yeah. Right. So how
1: can we know how things are going to happen?
0: Yeah. It's, 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 yeah, it's all right to say I don't know. You don't have just because you've got a blue tick on a social media doesn't mean you need to have a fucking answer to everything. You know. It's. I think he's very arrogant to think that you can.
1: It's like that thing with the uh, Donald Trump. You know, everybody was kind of going on about it It's like, you, you go into every comment he has on Facebook, and there's like people calling each other libtards and this, and they are call oh, yeah. them by dickheads and all this and that. Oh no, you're completely wrong, and all this kind of stuff. And you're thinking, but you're just follow. A lot of them just follow the media. That kind of it kind of it accentuates their bias already. You know, they, they they only look at things that support what they're saying and it's fake news and all that bullshit, you know, when it's something they don't like. And it's really sad the way that it's like you're saying.
0: I it. mean, it's, we, we've got these amazing tools and most people, well, well, not most people, but a lot of people want to use it to just hurl abuse at people. And again, they're the people that you should feel sorry for because they're fucking losers. Like that, if that's all they've got going in their life. But I mean, I I put a tweet out the other week that a lot of people said because I'm not really I'm not really active on Twitter because it's I feel like Instagram is a lot more positive. Um, Twitter I just felt was just too negative. But then I thought, you know what? There's people here who maybe could benefit from you know like the work I'm doing with the British Legion and stuff. Maybe like these people benefit from it, so I should start using it. And I put a tweet out. And some people, because I was being critical of some veterans, not all veterans, but some veterans, because I was being critical of the ones who felt like they're owed owed everything because they're veterans, which I disagree with. I think that you're owed a fair deal as a veteran, but you're not owed the world. And some people, because they just saw, they didn't even really read what the tweet was. They just saw veteran and criticism and assumed that I was fucking slagging off all veterans and saying veterans didn't deserve everything. Do you know what I mean? They just like they went into a total knee-jerk reaction. And a couple like my instant reaction as a man, as a young man, a bit of an angry man, was to tweet back at them, read the fucking message properly, you stupid twat. Or something like that. But instead I thought, hang on. Just think about this for a moment. They're not they're they're actually coming at you they they're coming at you not because they're a bit trying to be a dickhead but they're coming at you because they think they think like wrongly but they think that you're attacking veterans which is a group that you care about and you're trying mm-hmm. actually trying to help so you're actually both coming at things from the same you're from, you're coming at things you want to get at the same destination you're just coming at it from different points so i started engaging with people who had that reaction and saying like look you know this isn't what i'm saying i'm sorry if you felt that way what i'm saying is this i should have done a better job at explaining it and almost all of them came back with, oh, yeah, I'm sorry, man. I shouldn't have reacted that way. I, I overreacted. I thought you were. But no, actually, you make a really good point. And yeah, I see what you mean. And almost every single one, we ended up where we were like, look, we both like maybe we disagree and you don't think that that's the case. But we're, we're both on the same team and we're looking for the same thing. But that could have gone the totally the other way. That could have just gone to, you're a fucking prick. No, you're a fucking prick. No, you're a prick. And gone back and forth like that. And ended up with us blocking each other. But I would say, like, out the... there was only, I'm just trying to think now off the top of my head, there was one person that didn't come back to my mess. Cause I, you know, I said to him, like, there's, you know, everyone else kind of came back with, like, oh, yeah, I see your point. Or, or, or I disagree with your point, but mm-hmm. yeah, I see where you're coming from. You know what I mean? But there was one, there was only one bloke who didn't. And I think that was because um, I just, I just guess he didn't have the ego to just say, like, that he'd, that he'd actually misread it because you know it's it, it's one of those things on on the on text messages, email, whatever. If you come in with a pre like if you have a preset of you're angry, and you read a tweet, you will read it as an insult. Whereas if you were in a good mood and you read that, you would probably see it totally differently. You know that is the one problem about just using. That's what, that's why like people slag off emojis. You know, saying they're not professional, but emojis can be so useful because sometimes you need that little face just to get across that you're not being a dickhead, oh, or whatever, or you are making a joke or something. Um, and yeah, and and and, but like, yeah, I think there was only one person who didn't, who 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 didn't kind of like put the ego in check and be like, oh, you know what, you know, yeah, you, yeah, I read it wrong. You know, you're you're saying that you could have worded it better. I'm saying I could have read it better. Let's just agree that we're both looking for the same thing and like move on with our lives in a positive way. Um, so that was kind of cool to, to actually have that experience rather than it just descend into a slagging match. But I, I, I will be the first to say that I am very cautious about putting stuff on Twitter because I know how easily it can just be misinterpreted, sometimes deliberately misinterpreted and just whipped into uh, Cause it's one of those ones where I'm like, I know if I have good intentions or not. Right. So I know my conscience is clear But do I really want to spend the next few hours then fucking extracting myself from that situation, or is it easier to just not put it up in the first place? Which is sad because it's like you know, usually if the message is trying to be a positive one, and you know people hijack it for their kind of like you know to fit their own negative worldview, it's it's sad that that happens. But that's the reality. You've got to pick your battles.
1: Yeah, it's it's really sad when you've got to actually. Dictate You know, should I post this? Is it going to be easier just to kind of step away from it? And you get these yeah. guys who kind of—they're so primed and ready for a fight because it's that's the way they feel manly and masculine by mm. attacking people that have dis- dare disagree with them. You know, but when you do see that comment chain that starts off maybe at each other and then at the end they say, "Yeah, fair point. I never seen it like that," or you know, like the even like you said the. Oh, I just don't know. And people kind of go, "Oh, yeah, well, I, re- I do respect your opinion on this. You know, have a good one." And you see, and it's so rare, but it's uh, it's amazing when you see it. Like, I don't agree with Trump supporters, but there's times I'll happily report somebody for insulting somebody, or like you know, like yeah, you know, like a really kind of personal attack about their daughter, like they've gone onto their Facebook account and found a picture of their daughter and really gone at them, or you know, like something ridiculous um, from both sides and. I just think it's sad that we live in a society where there's people who spend all day just attacking others in their basement. Like, you know, they don't want to go, they don't want to bother doing something productive or build something or step into the light and kind of be the center of attention, but they're ready to rip anybody down that does. And, you know.
0: But like, I just think, I think of him like that. It's like, I just think of, well, great, because that's less competition. You know, the more people, that are fucking lo- uh, more people that are fucking losers, the better. Like, that's like, less competition. At the end of the day, they're the ones that are going to listen to podcasts. Or, well, they probably won't listen to podcasts because that's actual self-development. <laughs> but, like, you know, I've had people before that have read my whole – they've read my entire book and then have, like, messaged me to say that it's shit. And I just kind of want to say to them, then why did you keep reading? Like, if I start reading a book and I don't like it, I will just go, this book's not for me. I'm not going to then invest forty hours of my life into that book, and then more time into sending an angry message. I find that so fascinating. I really find it. I really find it interesting because I'm like, how 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 much little stuff do you have going on in your life that you can afford to continue reading something or watching something <laughs> that you don't enjoy? If it's not for you, mate, fine, just move on. It's really, it's really fucking fascinating. Like, it's like. Imagine you just, its it I can't, I can't get my head around. Like I can't get my head around to say I put the TV on as a program I don't like. And I go, oh, this is terrible. I'm now going to sit here for the rest of the box set and watch this terrible program that I hate. I just can't get my head around that. And And unfortunately, they're not the kind of people that you can have that conversation. Because I'd love to be able to get in their head and be like, well, why? Like, why, why is it? And I, I do think that it comes down to a lot of things in life. I do think it's jealousy. And it sounds a big I think it's, I have to be careful with ego on this one that yeah. I'm not saying like, oh, they just want to be me. Do you know what I mean? That's not what I'm saying. But like, when I look at, I'll be the first to admit that there's been periods in my life where I've slagged other people off. And when I look back on those periods and kind of dissect them, it's been because I was unhappy with where I was in life. And I was kind of like, I, I've got fr- like friends of mine that are, like some of my friends that are successful. I've definitely kind of been. I've been looking for a thing of, oh yeah, but did they get this easy? Or did, do you know what I mean? Instead of just saying to myself, "They're just fucking working harder than you." There was periods in my life definitely where I would, um, I'd be the first to admit that my insecurities about my own kind of life led me to, t- to try and take a bite out of other people's um, successes, and that's why I think I can say with authority that when I get that or see that now i think i recognize why it is because i'll I'll be the first to admit that especially i think in my um in my early early 20s and then like um when i like like that kind of early 20s period where i didn't really know what to do with my life that i think that that was something I, i i definitely did then
1: are you seriously telling me that you grew and developed using social media you know, do you not realise this is for cat videos only? You know? yeah. Oh, mate, I fucking love cat videos. Look, <laughs>
0: it's, the same, it's the same as going to the bar. Like, I, 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 I told you before we got on air, I think, that, you know, when I go to the States in July to visit my friends, I'm not expecting to get much, like, any work done in that month. That month is set aside mm-hmm. for going to the bar and hanging out with my friends and doing a few road trips and stuff. You know, that's not going to be... Like when I'm doing my road trips, I'm probably going to have some podcasts going and some self, you know, some, maybe some audio books. But that month is going to be about the main month, the priority of that month is going to be seeing my mates and getting Larry. That's what that month is going to be about. Uh, and it's the same as social media. Someone wants to spend an hour on social media looking at cat videos, I am not going to begrudge him that hour. Mm-hmm. If you can say to yourself, "What have you done with the rest of you? You know, what have you done with the rest of your day? You know," because the thing is, mate, right? like let's say cat videos or anything else that maybe just like some like silly videos. If that makes you laugh and it makes you happy, there's nothing wrong with having that in your life. Oh, no. You know, like I would say I would actually go as far as to say you should like, it's again, it, it's playful. We were talking about, you know, being playful and playing. Well, th- that goes for having a playful mind as well as a playful body. Um, Dude, I fucking i i i have various um, i have various outfits for my cats that I've bought off Amazon when on a whim, where I thought I'm gonna try and dress the cat up as a bumblebee or whatever, and it hasn't worked out, and it entertained me for thirty seconds, and it made me laugh, and that to me is, is 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 worth it that I got to annoy my cat for thirty seconds by trying to dress him up as a bumblebee. <laughs> <laughs> now. It was, <laughs> did that contribute to me writing, you know, to me writing great books or anything like that? No, but it made me fucking smile. And sometimes you got to do stuff just for the fact that it's fucking fun.
1: Well, we had, I mean, that's the thing. You have to have something yeah. like you have to have um, like 80 20, you know, like the diet thing. You have to eat clean for the majority of the time, but still have the blowout. You need to have that laugh. You need to have that something, you know. I was just thinking just now of like, we had a, a cat who died when she was 21. And it was, like, the she was a wild kitten. Her her mother had abandoned, like, the whole set of them. So my mom got her, like, kids, like, a wedding gift. So she hated my sister because she was the baby of the group. But uh, they came together, you know, like, when she was making cheesy pasta because they would split a can of tuna between them. And I was just thinking... If I tried to put a, an outfit on her, she would have ripped the shit out of you. She was a well cat, but became a lap cat but on her terms. She decided when, the, you know, the the, the yeah. sort of clapping and the belly rub stopped, and then she quickly bit your hand and ran off, you know. But I was just thinking it's like, it's fine to do all that kind of stuff. But it's like, I'm trying to think who said it, you know, it was that thing of, yeah, you're entitled to your opinion. But I'm entitled to tell you that your opinion shit. You know, I mean, it's like th- there's a whole thing about that. It's like yeah. we've we're in a society now where where it's almost like we want our own special space. We want to be able to say all the kind of stuff. It's like in America now they're saying, yeah, you have a First Amendment right to say stuff and be able to like put it out there, but you're not protected from it if it's racist, if it's sexist, if it's you know, yeah. Um, I can't believe. It.
0: Well, this is this is somewhere where I think the army the army has been very beneficial to me, um, and like because I I talk to my editors, I work with a few different publishers, and they've always said that like they they like the fact that I can take criticism on the work, and you know because I just want to make it better, and their notes make it better, right? Well, when you've had a sergeant major an inch from your face, screaming in your face, calling you things that I will not repeat on this podcast, and you can feel his spit hitting your face. And he's telling you that you're a worthless piece of shit, and 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 then a lot more. It doesn't hurt when you get a note back saying, "I think Act Two is a bit long." But a lot of people, apparently, I've heard from my editors, they get, they have to, they, so they, I've been told that they have, they they literally in these publishing houses, they have to have lessons on how to um, not uh, like how to basically mollycoddle some of the authors because. They don't want to hurt their like they they don't want to hurt their feelings and stuff because when they're giving notes and things. Now, I, you know, I, that, and that's just bonkers because it's everyone's on the same team trying to make something better. You're not going to get notes back from an editor saying this is shit and you're worthless. Get out of my face. You're going to get that in the army, you know. But I, that just it just toughens you up and it makes you more you know makes you you know able to handle you know criticism. And I think the you know that thing you're saying about being able to have an opinion on social media and stuff like that. And, but you, you know, someone else could say this it's rubbish is, you know, I, I, get like a lot of people, especially younger people, predominantly ones that want to join the military asking for my opinions on things. And I'm, and, and I'm very like, there's some things that I will give, I will say that I, I do believe a set in stone. And I, like, so for instance, I will go and say, I think this is a, I think this is a, basically a law of nature. If you get outside, if you get outdoors, and if you exercise, you will feel better in body and mind. I think that is a law. I think that is something that the, I, I don't think you can argue with that. Mm. But if, you, if I say, I think the best way to start your day is by journaling, well, that isn't a law. That is something that will work for some people and so works, work for other people. So I'll tell people, I'll say like, look, this is what works for me, but it doesn't necessarily work for you. But there are a few things, like I said, like the exercise, like getting outdoors, which I'm quite happy to say like this, look, this fucking works. And if you're saying that it doesn't, it's probably just because you're fucking lazy and you don't want to do it. But if, if you actually do it, it fucking works. And you know, and um, but yeah, but other than that, like it's like, look, opinions are fucking like assholes. You know, we all have them. They fucking all stink. And just yeah, take them or leave them.
1: <laughs> I think that should be the tagline for my podcast. Like. <laughs> <laughs> but it's that's that's the beauty of it is like i mean we've been talking for two hours and 20 minutes now and it just feels like this is what i love when i find somebody that i can chat to and it just feels like a mate you know it doesn't feel like somebody that i have to kind of appease or i have to go through the gatekeeper like personal assistant who's oh no you can't talk about this i kinda fall it sometimes you get that it's like i've had people saying to me oh no he won't talk about this and it has to cover his book and it has to do this it has to do that and i'm like what yeah it's like
0: oh can we cover the book
1: book, (laughs) it's just it it always puzzles me it's like what do you mean i can't ask that you know that's just kind of i'm interested in it surely it's like there's a wrestler who i was really keen to get on some guy when i was younger and he was just sitting there and I was like, oh, I won't talk about when I was going through this bad, you know, like, uh, drug addiction stage. And I thought, well, surely that's the whole point, is how did he get into it? How did he come out of it? What Could you benefit other people who are maybe going through that? And he's like, no, no, he bans people straight away if they even mention it. And I just thought, what's the point of that? It makes no sense to me, but...
0: Yeah, I mean, the the drug stuff for me is, like, I never, like, I've always got really worried about admitting it because it's like, like I can say, I want to move to the States and I don't want it to ever be held against me that I had a period in my life where I was making bad decisions. Um, and it does worry me that, that that's something that like the, like, so, cause look, some people fucking, some people like jumping on you for your mistakes. Like I'll be the first to, to put my hand up and say that I fucked up in life and I've made mistakes. And the, the reason I, I make them public is not because I want to fucking hug. It's because I want to help other people avoid the pitfalls that I found myself, you know, like falling in. Uh, And then, and also if they are already in them, how I got out of it and how I hope it can help other people get out. But the sad fucking, the sad reality about things is there are some people that will then try and use that stuff against you. So I kind of see where that guy's coming from. But again, I think this, this all ties back into sometimes having to put yourself after other people. So like, you know, like I was saying earlier about sometimes as a man, you might have to put yourself in physical harm so that other people are not in physical harm. And that goes with this. It's like me talking about the worst periods in my life, which I'm not proud of. Um and not it's not something I fucking enjoy doing, but I do it because I would be ashamed of myself if I didn't. If I if it helped what if it helped one other person, then like Like, look, look at it like this. If I end up not getting my visa for America because of things I did in my past, one, I have to ask the question of, do I want to live in a country that's going to fucking punish me for past mistakes? Mm -hmm. And that's one thing. And two, can I live with myself if, because I wanted to live somewhere warmer and close to the beach, I held on to information that could potentially have helped somebody turn their life around? I mean, that's, and that's not who I want to be. So it's a pretty simple decision. Doesn't mean, it's an easy decision, but simple.
1: I mean, that's the way I look at it as if, like, I think it was my mom that said to me that, you know, anything that you struggle with, Google it, because there's about 10,000 other people who struggle with it, too. But I like the idea of, like, if one thing I can do, one episode of this, one question, one answer from somebody can change somebody's life and help them. It's amazing. I mean I started this podcast for myself, but the fact that people are emailing me and saying, "I'm, oh, you know, it really helped me. I really, you know, that was a great answer," or like, "Could you speak to somebody about blah 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 because I struggle," and I'm like, it blows me away that somebody from America, Africa, you know, these kind of places are emailing me and telling me yeah. how helpful they found an episode. I'm like, what? Because I'm doing it to, to help myself in a way. And it, it's yeah but like, you said, like like
0: when none of us are unique like we all have the same questions there'll be overlapping some people you know some people might want more of this some people might want more of others but there's going to be overlap and people will find things useful and I, I think that there's um you know I, I think that there's, there's when it comes down to it you know when you look back on your life those are the things that you're gonna feel you know those are the things that you're gonna there's nothing wrong with feeling pride if what you're proud of is something that's helped other people there's nothing wrong with feeling pride if your pride is if your pride is is um, how many fucking how many you know young girls with daddy issues did you convince to bang you um, by offering them drugs if that's if that's what you take pride in then yeah you're probably a your shitbag mm-hmm. but if you if you there's nothing wrong with taking pride in serving other people um, and you can serve yourself like the best way to serve other people I think is like there's a difference between serving yourself being a selfish bastard and serving yourself and you know. Um, like you're doing now with the podcast, you know, like yes, it serves you, but it serves a lot of other people. There's nothing. There's nothing wrong with that. And like, um, again, you know, again, the only people that are kind of ever try and knock you down for that, people are too lazy to do anything themselves.
1: Well, I think there is. Uh, I'm trying to think who it was. Somebody tweeted recently that they're not interested in a st- like speaking or hearing a podcast from somebody who's never made a mistake. They want to hear from somebody who's fucked up royally but has come back from it
0: well because you know that person's a liar because anyone saying they haven't made a mistake uh, straight off the bat i can't trust that person cuz so i'm like you're fucking lying oh like, that person's lying you know so you know i, I so it's like why would i want to spend a couple of hours every week with somebody who i know is lying to me from the beginning why would i want to do
1: that uh, cuz that's the way i look at is it. like when i look at how much like I've screwed up and then I meet guys at jitsu who are talking about like they've been kicked out of their family home but you know they're now back on friendly terms to their parents or they've maybe stopped seeing their kids because they split with their wife or like all this kind of you know and I realise it's like yeah I don't have it bad at all and but
0: perspective is important yeah
1: and just getting a chance to sit and speak to them they might be the only person that they get to speak to who kind of gives them a bit of hope or clarity the jiu-jitsu you know some of them are saying like it's made them it's helped their diabetes some are saying it's helped their their ability to cope with their anger issues and you know it's amazing from from that point of view and it's amazing being able to share that time with guys and be able to have that bond and see the change in them you know and it's I I think this is a problem is like we're giving them social media when they need jiu-jitsu. We're giving them like the drink and drugs when they could join the military. They could, you know, I mean it's we're not we're not giving them
0: Yeah, I mean they look I will say this as well, the military, you're not gonna find a bigger drinking club in the country than the military. Like drink drinking culture underpins like a lot of the military stuff. I think with this it's it's all about um, just not having extremes of things so it's you know have your fucking social media but get to but, but get out to uh, you know it's don't have all your interactions be online the same way of I don't think I think if you if you especially if you're in business or you want to be an artist now if all of your uh, if your, all your interactions are face to face you're missing out on influencing a huge group of people potentially online you know it's it's, it's about finding balance in these things and you know, it's, uh, you know, if you do jujitsu all the time, and you never train weights, then you probably, you know, you probably should go do a bit of weight training. If you're doing, if you're doing weight training all the time and not doing any, any cardio, then you need to get some cardio in. It's, it's about getting balance in these things. Um, and I, I just think, I feel like we're not, we're not living in a, a situation. We're not living in a, a, a time of extremes, but people are trying to make us live in a time of extremes. And it's our, it's our, it's our choice whether or not we buy into that. You know, you don't have to buy into fringe politics. You don't have to buy into, you know, extremes of, um, you know, like whether you live on social media or whether you live face to face with people or whether you do no exercise or you exercise all the time. It's your choice to buy into any of this stuff, you know, it's, and, uh, it's, it's, you know, it's, 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 um, obviously it's really important that people make the right decision. But and, you know, it's things like this podcast are, helpful to put people in 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 the right direction but at the end of the day it comes down to the person themselves has to be in a position where they want to make that choice and you know and, and we can't choose four people you know we can only put we can put things in front of them and but it's down to the individuals to choose at the end of the day
1: right. i think i mean you know like I mean, that's two and a half hours and i think we've you probably helped thousands of people during that time and it's and this is before we even get onto the books but i mean it's like it's, I think that's what we sometimes need is that short snap shock from some people where we kind of get out our comfort zones where we're kind of told, you know, yeah, you have the right to say your opinion and all that, but you're a fucking dick for thinking that or, you know, like kind of breaking them out of their their soft space, if you know what I mean.
0: Yeah, you have the right to be a fat, lazy piece of shit who never gets off the sofa. You have that right. But what you don't have is then the right to complain. If you are going to be the fat, lazy piece of shit on the sofa, fucking do you. But don't complain about it then. Mm -hmm. Don't complain to anyone else that you're not happy. Don't complain that you're fucking depressed. Don't complain that, you know, you're not meeting the right girl. Don't complain that you're not fucking getting the right job. You have like, you, you don't get to do both is, is the thing. If you want to fucking do do whatever the fuck you want to do if it doesn't hurt other people, but don't fucking complain about it then. If you wanna do drugs, if you want to drink all the time, fucking do it. As far as I'm concerned. But don't fucking complain Yeah, they need to leave a
1: level of personal responsibility.
0: Exactly, you know, exactly mate. That's what it comes down to. And I'm sure like anybody listening to this is they're only you know, they're here because they believe that they believe that same thing. But um yeah, that's uh, that's gone fast. <laughs> I've got to go because I got. To, I like. I'm. I'm going to stick to my thing of. I've got. Um, I've got. Uh, a, 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 I got. I, I. schedule time for um, my physical activity now. Like I schedule work stuff because I think that, that way. You know, I'm hold myself accountable to it. So, I'm going to do my my aft my my, after, my afternoon my afternoon session of. I'm going to get outside and go get some. Uh, go 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 hit some hills and uh, get some fresh air. For my mental well-being,
1: I was just about to say that actually, you know, because it was like I couldn't believe it. I looked at the time just now. It was like two and a half hours. Like, what the fuck? Um, so, for anybody listening, um, just to wrap it up quickly, you know, um, how can they keep in touch? Because I want to have a get you on yeah. again. We'll go through the books and the reading and the writing from the process, all that kind of stuff. But you know, it's been—I cannot thank you enough. It's been—it's like meeting a mate that you didn't oh, even mate, know you, you had, do. like chai in there. Um, but how can somebody listening, you know, who's to by the books, who wants to find you on social media, get in touch, you know, even guys in the army who maybe want to chat to you about that or social media, find your website, all that sort of stuff. How can they go about that?
0: Right. Uh, OK, what am I selling at the moment? I'm selling my um, book, <laughs> uh, Brothers in Arms, which is about it's it's my memoir of the of, um, time in Afghanistan with my brothers um and then the I think what most people find interesting and different to other books that have been written about Afghanistan is I go full honesty, uh uh brutal honesty about what happens when I came back, which is like the kind of slide into PTSD, like drugs, a bit of all that stuff. But then like a positive message on the way out, how I came out of it through like rediscovering purpose, exercise, meditation, all that kind of stuff so I won't harp on too much about that. But yeah, it's Brothers in Arms. It's out, you find it in like uh, Asda, Sainsbury's, Tesco, it's on Amazon, Waterstones, you know, the usual kind of usual kind of bookstore places. Um, I have a podcast called Veteran State of Mind, which is, we, we talk about military stuff predominantly, but I think if you're interested in this podcast, then there'll be some crossover into it as well. Um, it's yeah, Veteran State of Mind. The website is vsonpodcast.com. Uh, but if you look up social media, like just put Veteran State of Mind and you'll find it. And um my own personal my own personal social media is at grjbooks. So one word grjbooks, golf romeo me or juliet books, or search for Garan Jones. Um I use Instagram a lot, I use Facebook a little less, and I'm starting to get into Twitter, but it's the same handle for for all of them. Um and uh yeah dude, fucking thanks for having me on. That has gone that has gone fast. That's it for another week. Thanks for listening, absorb it. Practice it. Use it. Until next time, keep trying to hit that next level in your
1: life.